Blog Talk Radio. See, I've been watching you for a while, smiling stuff, but I know if I can be with you for the night. Alright, that alright, baby, baby.
You know, happiness is a dimension of our own nature. Happiness, from a spiritual point of view, is not based on conditions or circumstances. Innately, we're happy beings. We're spiritual beings. So that means that happiness and joy are already built within. And as we're growing spiritually, we are removing filters from seeing or feeling the happiness that's already there. When we're somewhat blocked, happiness is conditioned. We say, well, I got a new car, therefore I'm happy. Or this person didn't call me back, therefore I'm unhappy. And so it's condition-based. But as we mature spiritually and we begin to touch into our real nature and being, we notice that we're happy regardless of what's going on. Something bad happens, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. Uh, someone doesn't call us back, some plan doesn't work out, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. So that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So can we define happiness as the way to transform every emotion and transform it into feel something right? Yes, you, you can uh, basically, you, you discover your happiness when you're able to see that in every circumstance there is possibility, there's potential, and there's an energy behind it pushing you to a greater expression of, of, of who and what you really are. People become frustrated and unhappy if they feel there's no way out, if they feel that every road is blocked. But in reality, with a capital R, there's no such world. No world like that exists. We're surrounded by infinite possibilities. And so with a shift of perception and attitude, you begin to see those possibilities. And those possibilities uh, invite us uh, to activate potential within us. Uh, the gifts and talents within us that are latent, the possibilities invite us to activate, to discover and activate those, those possibilities. So again, then happiness would be us uh, becoming more ourselves. That'd be a very blissful state, you see. So it doesn't deny that bad things happen in the world. It doesn't deny that people die. People die on us. You know, people leave. Jobs change. It doesn't deny that. But when we come to an understanding that even with all the changes that are going on in the phenomenal world, there's still something about us that's permanent. There's something about us that's forever. And that part of us that's forever is spiritual, which means it never... It never began and it will never end. And as we become more and more identified with that, identified not just in, with a belief system, but identified that with some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of focus, some kind of intention, then our life takes on a whole different, a whole different vibration. How we can overcome the fear of rejection? Rejection is paying too much attention. The fear of rejection is paying too much attention to what other people are thinking about you and other, what other people are thinking about what you're thinking about. And people live in that kind of a bubble. I wonder if that person likes me. I wonder if this person appreciates me. And those are, uh, that's the wrong mode of being in the world. You have to think about what the universe thinks about you. And the universe thinks you're important. The, the, whatever name you want to use, you can say the universe, you can say the cosmos, you can say God, whatever. What, what, is, what does the universe think of you? And because you were created, you have meaning, you are important, you're worthy, you're worthwhile, because you weren't made accidentally. You weren't just accidentally made. Uh, nature didn't just come together and accidentally make you. You know, uh, there was a perfect idea behind you with 
complete potential and possibility uh, to be activated. So you have to begin to think about, we all have to begin to think about, how does the universe think about me? Not how does that person over there think about me? Not how those group of people over there think about me. That's a waste of my time. Then I start to people please. I start to do things to make them like me, and, and, which may take away from my mission, may take away from my authenticity. It may take away from making my powers because I'm thinking about what they're thinking about. And they're thinking about what I'm thinking about. Everybody's thinking about what other people are thinking about what they're thinking about. <laughs> no. And what difference do you, do you see between pay attention to others yeah. and learn from feedback of others? Yeah, yeah. You can learn from feedback from others. I'm not overly concerned about what others are thinking about me because um, I'm living my passion and my purpose and my intention. And then life gives me feedback. If, if I'm being stubborn in some area, then, then, then there'll be some feedback from either life itself or from people. If, if I'm being arrogant, you'll get the feedback. If you're being wishy-washy, you get the feedback. So you learn how to pay attention. And, you know, as you, as you mature and become more comfortable with yourself, you're able to take criticism, and what happens is uh, you start paying, uh, you start seeing, what, what, what they're called the two imposters, criticism and praise. There are people that praise you and people that criticize you, but after a while, you don't really care about either one of them. They're called imposters, and so if somebody's criticizing you and saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, shut up, whatever, <laughs> you, 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 you don't care. It's like, thank you for your feedback. You know, and if somebody says, "Oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you you you, you you're the best," you say, "Thank you for your thank you for your feedback." You start treating both the same, because you're not trying to get something from the people. You're giving a gift to the people. You're getting your information and your energy directly from the life force. You see, you're getting fed by life. Life is giving you information, and you're sharing it. And if people don't want it, and they say, ah, it's a bunch of baloney, thank you. I won't give it to you, you know. And if somebody says, I want it, thank you. Here it is. But after a while, praise and criticism, you don't really care because you're, you're, you're becoming so in tune inside of yourself. Yeah. It's, like, it's like if you are a mathematician and you know that 10 plus 10 is 20. You know it. It's not an opinion. You know it. And you stand in front of a group. And you start to do your math, and somebody says, I don't believe that. What are you going to do? You're going to say, okay, thank you. You know, you know 10 plus 10 is 20. You say, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Good example. They're giving you feedback where you need to grow. Because when you get out here as a public figure, people talk about you. If you do really good, they talk about you more. You yeah. do really, really good, they talk about you really, really more. It, yeah. it goes with scale. And then you learn this. Um, mediocrity attacks excellence all the time. And so if you're seeking to live a, an excellent life, those who are, have agreement with mediocrity, they attack you because you're making them uncomfortable. They want to stay small, so they attack people who are trying to do big things. Let's talk about the law of attraction. According to you, how we can use the law of attraction? Well, the, the basic, first start with the basics. The basic law is what you chronically think about is what you bring about in your experience. A thought, is a unit of mental energy. Energy can never be created or destroyed. Energy just keeps changing itself into higher or lower expressions. So if you're constantly thinking negative, you know, 
uh, life is hard and, and then you die. There's not enough good jobs around. Uh, there's no... Decrease crisis. Yeah, there's, everything is working. Then you, your, your body temple gets that message. The cells of your, of your body begin to hear that. It starts to produce, produce toxic chemicals. Your immune system starts to become unhinged, starts to be, be impaired. Your thinking starts to go down because of the toxic chemicals. And you start to bring about what you're thinking about. You become sick, uh, not as much energy, so therefore your opportunities are depleted. Uh, your energy is down, critical thinking goes down. And then you start to bring about that negativity that you're describing. But you change it around and you begin to say, you know, I'm surrounded by opportunities. Life is good. Everything is working together for my good. I, 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 I'm surrounded by infinite opportunities. Uh, prosperity is right here. And then what happens? When you start to say that, your mood is lifted. Tonic chemicals and endorphins start to go through the body. starts to amplify your immune system. Your thinking becomes more clearer. You start to see life differently. Opportunities, you start to see opportunities that you couldn't see before. Possibilities open up that you didn't even know about because your attitude has changed. And what looks like the law of attraction is simply you lifting your vibration so that you can see the potential that's here. And then we call it the law of attraction, but what it really is, I call it the law of, the law of radiation, the law of emergence. Because what you're doing is allowing that which is within you to come out and, and to radiate and to emerge and to express. And then in the physical form, good things happen. And it looks like it's a, you're attracting it, but what's really happening is you're radiating it. And what you're radiating is becoming visible. Anyone who has ever approached a government agency just to see what they do and how they do it can tell you they didn't get very far. Government seems to be at least as secret as any corporation, if not more so. This general secrecy goes back well before terrorism was a general concern. Our public agencies are not so public when it comes to disclosing their own conduct, their finances, and their inside operations, and their productivity. Well, it turns out, just like many people and organizations that like to be secret, they do have something to hide. It's called the CAFR. The CAFR is the name for the financial accounts of any public agency. It stands for Comprehensive Annual Financial Report, and it is standard to all government agencies. Your courthouses have them, school districts have them, city, county, and state governments all have CAFRs. The hard numbers are in the CAFR. The budget is pure fantasy. The budget is where somebody took a guess at how much money would be needed for some particular purpose. They consistently guess too low, and they tell us they need more money. They don't need more money, they just guessed wrong. There might be a jillion dollars in the CAFR. Who cares if they didn't budget enough, take more out of the account, the, the CAFR account. If you budget $400 a month for your groceries, and then one month you need $450, do you go rob a gas station? No, you take $50 out of your bank account. Governments have bank accounts, just like we do, but they keep that a secret. Government has two sets of books, the budget and the CAFR. They can stash away all the money they want in the CAFR, and then they will show you the budget and try to tell you they're dirt poor. 
So when your public official says the budget is insufficient, we should say, okay, what have you got in the accounts? What's in the CAFR? If budgets are too low, it just means we have incompetent people drawing up our budgets. A budget crisis is not a reason to raise revenue. It's a reason to plan the budget better. Of course, the budget con game is intentional. The simple trick is that when you only talk about the budget, you can hide money, and that CAFR is where you hide it. A large percent of government revenues are, you could say, hoarded. If you start to look at the actual accounts, you see that money is constantly flowing into secret off-budget accounts never to be seen again. They are brilliant at coming up with names for these accounts that sound important and reasonable. There are rainy day funds, emergency funds, backup funds, set-aside funds, pension funds, discretionary funds. These are all just ways of saying, I am taking your money and not giving you anything in return. The grab-and-hide system of revenue hoarding is a standard government trick that goes back centuries. The riches that sit in these funds are not some small slice of the pie. It is the elephant in the living room. The secret money in government CAFRs in the USA is so massive that the dividend and investment income from these mountains of cash amounts to, on average, twice as much revenue per year as all the tax revenues combined. Yes, I said twice as much as all tax revenues. And this government tuck-away money is not applied to services or programs for you. Hoarded government funds have now purchased and own over 70% of all the equities on all the U.S. stock exchanges. The income from those investments compound year after year. The wealth that you and I should be making by investing in the stock market is being made by government. So at this point, it's like we have a big granite bank building with the account, and right in front of the bank is a lemonade stand they call the budget. It is utterly ludicrous that your government or mayor would step up to a microphone with a straight face and start telling you how tight the $1 billion budget is. If you frisk him, you will find $2 billion more dollars in his back pocket. If we were to audit the CAFR of any government office, we would see these massive accounts everywhere we look, piles of money that our hopelessly corrupt politicians and bureaucrats have put off budget. If you listen carefully, you can hear them saying, mine, mine, mine. When the tax man takes your money, he doesn't tell you where it will be spent. Our public schools certainly don't teach us how to audit our public finances. Government insiders know that you have no idea what they do with your money, and they like it that way. Everything about government is designed to keep you away from the real accounting and to feed you phony budget nonsense to make you think they're just scraping by. Government insiders tremble in fear that you will even learn what the term CAFR means. But if you want to really hit the panic button, tell your local public official that you want an independent and public audit of the CAFR. The simple idea of full disclosure of public accounts is the most terrifying thing a corrupt public official can imagine. When those glossy politicians start talking about how desperate the budget situation is, they will trot out some deprived program or service that you just can't do without, something you can relate to. We need more police or fire prevention. We need to fix the sewers or the streets. We need more trash trucks or landscape maintenance for our park. Somehow, money got diverted away from these essential services, even though we've known about them for 200 years. 
Aren't governments supposed to plan for those things way in advance? They're suddenly surprised that some bridge needs maintenance? No. They steal money from the bridge maintenance fund and then tell you they need more money. Most of us don't have time to check on how every tax dollar is handled, so the temptation for them to play around like this is irresistible. It's way too easy. All they have to do is say they're running out of money, and for some reason, people seem to believe them. Anyone who is familiar with the CAFR would know that these cries of poverty from public officials are ridiculous lies, but they're well-protected lies. A city council will let their city go bankrupt rather than disclose and release the hidden money. Regardless of all the hype in the media about cutting taxes, they never really do. It's a shell game. They cut here, they raise there. Overall, tax levels have always gone up for at least 100 years. The percent of our earnings taken from us is now higher than ever, and it will be even higher tomorrow. So I always wonder how public figures can be so stupid as to think they can just raise, raise, and raise again our overall tax burden forever, and there will never be a breaking point. Well, we have already passed the breaking point, which is obvious from looking at the state of the economy since 2008. Taxpayers have no more to give. We are now at the point where you simply can't get ahead, even if you have a job. You can't start a business under the crushing taxes, regulations, permits, fees, and reporting requirements. But nevertheless, the need for yet more taxes, revenues, and government is a favorite subject for your politician and representatives who have unlimited confidence in our ignorance and our gullibility. In a disastrous economy, as we are now, we must not tolerate hoarding of trainloads of cash by government. We need to crack open those CAFRs. We need to get some independent auditing going. We need to dig out that government wealth and apply it to some productive purpose or return it to the taxpayers. Every dollar that sits in the backroom ledgers of the CAFR is capital that creates no jobs, improves no standard of living, relieves no tax burdens, provides no government services or programs, and only serves to enrich and empower government insiders and financial brokers who have command and control over those secret accounts. But the powerful and rich have another reason for diverting mass amounts of wealth and squandering today's abundance. Because of industrialization and technology, society is now highly productive. Machines and computers are so productive that the average output per capita is many, many times more than it would be without those technologies. If a person could make 10 pairs of shoes by hand per day, a machine can make 300. We now have an overabundance that could provide for everyone many times over. But much of that abundance seems to vanish before it gets to the market. If we add up what all our machines and computers can produce, the abundance that we could all enjoy would be staggering. But the elite who sell us those machines to create all that excess know that it is absolutely essential to steal back all the excess we produce. All the abundance must disappear in order to keep the party going. You cannot be controlled and exploited unless you are desperate and hungry. You will not keep struggling to produce unless abundance is kept from you. You will not enrich the masters if you yourself are rich. Abundance must be stolen, diverted, hidden, and wasted 
It must not be available for the benefit of any common person. When there is general prosperity accessible to all, the control matrix collapses. The squandering and destruction of newly created wealth is an essential element of control, tyranny, and exploitation. Scarcity must be faked at all costs. Our system is like a sink where the water flows directly to the drain hole, and we are all trying to stay alive on the tiny drops that break free from the flow. The scarcity myth is maintained by a matrix of partnerships between corporations and government. Abundance and excess are crushed out of our economy with a series of very carefully crafted devices. Those devices for causing scarcity are taxation, war, capital and resource misallocation, currency and debt mismanagement, supply and demand manipulations, crippling boom and bust cycles, phony and contrived crises, and of course, diversion of public revenues into secret CAFR accounts to simply languish without contributing in any way to the public good. With all the technology we have today boosting our productivity, it takes a lot of serious larceny to create conditions of scarcity. A family of experienced farmers with just a few good hand tools can produce far more food than they need. Our modern machines and technologies have multiplied that productivity many times. We are creating abundance. And if each of us are not secure, comfortable, and wealthy, it is simply because that abundance is being robbed from us as we create it. We are enslaved in a system of waste, corruption, and lies. And we are being forced to run on a squirrel cage in a perpetual state of semi-exhaustion. And we are not allowed to keep the wealth generated from our efforts. So how do we start to fix the greed and corruption of government? Corporations, large collective organizations. How do we start to free up this wealth and recycle it to benefit the public? We demand that our public agencies publish their CAFRs so that independent auditors can get at them. These are public accounts. There is no reason whatsoever they should not be published and readily available online in searchable formats. When pots of hidden money are found, we need to demand that they be closed and the resources be circulated. We must resist and refuse the many ways our earnings are taken from us. We need to demand that public resources be returned to the original investors, you and I, the wealth creators, you and I, the productive class, you and I. We must cause the large organized collectives to fade away, and each of us individually must take back command, control, and possession of the wealth we are creating. The institutions that are sucking away our earnings, our security, our future, must no longer be trusted, but more important, they must no longer be fed. Refusal and resistance are very powerful tools. As our economy weakens and fails, we see that our institutions are frail and artificial. It is we who are strong and real.
with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. And that, in fact, this is our land. So beginning with that premise, whether you're more or not more, I'm going to start with what law really is. Most of us think that we go into a courtroom and understand the difference between a court and a courtroom, that uh, the people who purport to use law, really use words of art to make you believe, in fact, that law is uh, on the table when you walk into a courthouse or a courtroom, when in fact that's not true. And I would like to share with you tonight, regardless of your religious persuasion, what law really is. Law, and as Muslims would say, all law, is A-L-L, 
space L-A-W, all law, all law. So for anyone who's of a Christian persuasion, don't be misled. And when you hear the term all law, all law is God, all right, that is also what we would say in lawful terms, a misnomer. All law is not God. God has no capacity and no standing to all law. Because God means governmental ordinance departments. There is no comparison. Now, who can use law? Law can only be used by people who are in their sovereign capacity. And I was, as I will share with you tonight, the majority of the people in the world, and I'm not going to get into all of the details about that, but the majority of the people in the world, 99% of them live in slavery today. So in 1863, via the Emancipation Proclamation, and I challenge you to go look in a law dictionary and look up the definition of emancipation and proclamation, and you will see that a proclamation is not a law. A proclamation is a public announcement by elected officials. It is not a law. So the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 did not set any slaves free. What it did was standardize slavery, the United States being the model for the standardization of slavery that all of the other nations around the world, as they reduced their people from their sovereign capacity and forced them to join nation states, then they were able to issue statute, codes, ordinances, resolutions on them. And a statute, as in a state statute of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, is not a law. It is corporate policy of the corporation that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated. All right? Now, a code is not a law. The United States codes the code of the laws of the United States of America that are used in federal court and the Supreme Court are not law. They are what they say they are. They are codes, ordinances, and resolutions of a municipality of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation that calls itself the city of Philadelphia, an ordinance and a resolution, as in parking ordinances, they are not law. They are what they say they are. They are ordinances and they are resolutions. All right? And the reason they are not law is because the only people who can issue law are people who are acting in their sovereign capacity. And the people who sit in these seats as elected officials are not, in fact, in their sovereign capacity. They are in a corporate ward status, meaning that they are wards of the state. They are members of the corporation, which is a nonprofit that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And as long as they have a birth certificate on record with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, with that birth certificate being a contract, a birth certificate is a contract, and as long as you have a contract with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, you belong to them, and that's what slavery really is. Right? So who can use law? If you are a member of a corporate ward state, if you are a member of a corporate ward nation that calls itself the United States of America, you are a citizen. Look in the law dictionary and look up the definition of citizen. A citizen is not a sovereign. A resident is not a sovereign. Therefore, if you use an address, which is a 
fictitious number associated with a designation issued by a corporate ward, right? Then you become under the jurisdiction of those people who are also corporate wards but who are also slaveholders, all right? So if you are operating in that capacity, law does not apply to you. If you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, and you say you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, then the ordinances and the resolutions of that private, nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Incorporated, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the Statutes of that nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, which is a private nonprofit corporation, then the code of the laws, right, apply to you. But if you are a sovereign of the Moorish Empire, those ordinances, those resolutions, those codes, those statutes do not apply to you because you are not a member of the corporate ward state. It's as simple as that. And they understand the difference. This is why on their documents they use words of art. They use the word label. They use the word person. They use the word address. All of these things that place you in their jurisdiction and you unknowingly fill out forms every day and every time you fill out a form, you enter into a contract. I don't care what kind of form it is. It's a contract. A driver's license application is a contract. A social security application is a contract. When you call up the telephone company and you make a verbal contract over the telephone, this is why they can bill you. When you sign a deed, it is a contract. When you fill out a voter registration form, it is a contract. Does everybody understand that? Don't ever think. Every, anything that you put your signature on becomes a contract. All right? Now, the fact that you are not in your sovereign status means that you make a contract as a minor. They don't care. They know you are a minor because... And, and to be other than a minor, you have to be in your proper person at law. And how we write that is this. Can I have a That's working. Can you bear with me for a minute and let me put this on because uh, I can't. Can y'all see that? Impropria persona. Impropria persona. When you are in your corporate ward status, you look like this to the court. Pro se. Pro se meaning they get you in the court and they bring someone in called a Got that? Pro se cuter. A prosecutor. Because you're in a corporate board status. 
Now, if you're in proper persona, say in their criminal allegations, the prosecutor cannot come into the courtroom and say anything to you because you're not in pro se status. Makes sense, right? The issues of law, the issues of law are threefold. The issues of law are status, jurisdiction, and adjudication. The first thing that happens when you walk into a courtroom in your corporate ward status is that they already make the assumption that you are a ward of the state and that you don't know any better. So they immediately start adjudicating you. As the first thing that happens when we walk into a courtroom is that we place our status on the record, on the record. We come in with our flag, we come in with our treaty, we come in with the Constitution we sign with them, and understanding that the Constitution is a contract. Sure to tune in to our sister station, Hindsight Radio, from 7 to 10 Eastern, Monday through Friday. Whatever else happens, I ain't never forget, forget, forget. Niggas ain't talking about much. I'd rather bump Willie Hutch or the music in church than a sack religious and blasphemous. I got loyal goons, they don't ask for much. And they don't rap. And they don't rap. They'll wrap you up, yeah Trash bag for the shells Trash bag, have a bear Got plays, got bites, got sales with my scale What the hell really going on? Not shit, still going in on my songs Blowing on this oak so strong all along But your hoe all on my mobile phone I tried to told her, get off my line Quit out that line Thought I was balling when I first bought a nine Used to think the time with money Till they gave my homeboys all that time Young niggas not giving a fuck about nothing I mean nothing, Shooting and hustling, I'm hot dog, so the coop is mustard. But I don't relish this shit. What the hell is a brick? But a lick to a nigga that ain't never had shit. Or a figment of a rap nigga's embellishment. I'm intelligent from the head I get. She say she sell a bit, I, I probably sell that bitch. I had a girlfriend, but I dumped her, I be high as hell. I hope she take me back. You ever lost somebody? I mean, really, really wish you could talk to somebody. But they was gone before you thought about it. Ah, lost somebody. I mean, really wish you could talk to somebody. But they was gone before you thought about it. Not brainstorming, but my thoughts is cloudy. Yeah, these are scattered showers. Sad as fuck at the happy house. Wishing I could laugh about it. We used to hit the lab and rap for hours. Now I'm giving his mama and daddy flowers My only thoughts is getting at them cowards Kill my little nigga and probably bragging about it Retribution, do you got a better solution? They taught us to tote guns, really they bred us to shoot All we cared about was getting fresh and hoping Same neighborhood that getting executed Same little niggas used to sneak in the move. I'm pretty sure gunfire killed more dreams than excuses One by one losing everyone that believed in my mood All I got is my weed and my music But this is how keeping it moving Yeah, this is how keeping it moving You ever lost somebody? 
I mean, really, really wish you could talk to somebody But they was gone before you thought about it about the law business, the legal industry, is some of the most important things about law are actually so simple that they're easy to overlook. And there are only about four very simple truths. And if you know and understand these truths, you will be empowered to win. Here's the first great secret. Where does the court get its jurisdiction? We have a two-tiered court system. There are the Supreme Courts and their tribunals. There are courts of inferior jurisdiction. When we're talking about Supreme Courts, like the United States Supreme Court and the Oklahoma Supreme Court, where do they get their jurisdiction? They get their jurisdiction because of who they are. But what about these courts of inferior jurisdiction? Where do, they get, where do they get their authority? The courts of inferior jurisdiction are empowered to act by pleadings sufficient to invoke their judicial authority, which means that the people, the people, not the attorneys, the people that walk into that court empower that person in the black robe, to be a judge. Listen closely to what this guy just said. It is earth-shaking and game-changing. It puts the ball in your hands. What is he saying exactly? An injured human being has to show up in court and testify under oath that they have been injured, period. Prosecuting attorneys testify like they are the injured party, and they are not the injured party. They don't get to testify because they are not the ones injured, but they do it all the time because no one puts them in their place. Trinzi versus Pegliaro states statements of counsel in brief or in argument are not sufficient for summary judgment. If the judge doesn't like it, it's too bad. The Supreme Court, this is a Supreme Court ruling, and basically what it's saying is to the lawyer, shut up and sit down. You don't get to testify. Jurisdiction has four corners on it. It's a four-legged table. And if you take away one of those legs, it's not a court anymore. You win when you know how to invoke the court's jurisdiction when you empower that judge to make the decision that you want that judge to make. That's the second great secret is... The Constitution, state constitutions, statutes, laws, rules, what meaning do they have as you read them in their black and white print? They don't really mean anything except a hint, a suggestion of what the law is. 
Well, we have a common law system. The Supreme Court tells you what that means. To find out what the law is, we have to find out what the Supreme Courts have said that that particular law means. Now, that's the second great secret. We have a means of finding out what the law is. It's written down. Where do we find the common law? It's the federal and state annotated statutes. Because, again, that's a secret. They don't want you to know that. If you can read the annotated statutes, now you know what the law is. The state annotated statutes. Those annotated statutes are going to tell me what the law is. But they're going to publish the holding. They're going to tell you the essence of that decision. And that essence of that decision, out of that case, is that one paragraph, that one sentence, or maybe just that one phrase that you need to win, and, and that's all you need. Trinity versus Pagliaro is one of the most important cases that has ever been decided by the United States Supreme Court. But Trinity versus Pagliaro is absolutely earth-shaking. The holding of Trinity versus Pagliaro, statements of counsel, in brief or argument are not sufficient for a summary judgment. Take it to heart. Memorize it. Get a tattoo that says it. Because that is one of the most important principles on law, in law. And that is one of the most powerful things that you will ever learn and have to use. That's according to the United States Supreme Court. But that one-fourth thing that has probably been missing 50 million times in this country when we got shafted in the court was a competent witness. Where's the competent witness? That's the fourth leg on that table. That table doesn't have four legs. That court did not have jurisdiction. Period. You've got to have somebody at some point in time before the judgment raise their hand and testify under oath and subject to cross-examination or it's nonsense. If the other side uh, supports their pleadings with an affidavit, which they rarely do, but if they do, you subpoena that witness because you want to question them under oath. And the idea that is the kernel of truth in Trenzi versus Pagliaro is a thread that runs through Everything. Criminal, simile, runs through everything. Administrative, it's, it's got to be there. It's got to be there. How do I know? Here is a very good statement. And again, this is from an annotated statute. Actual facts, not mere allegations of complaint, are determinative of issue of jurisdiction. Isn't that what I just said? If there's no witness, there's no facts. If there's no facts, there's no what? No jurisdiction. It's not what I think. I think it, but it's not true because I think it. It's true because it's the law. It's the law because the Supreme Court says, yes, yes, you've got to have a competent witness 
to have that fourth leg on that table, or there's no jurisdiction. So you get into a courtroom, you're sitting in court, and the prosecuting attorney uh, stands up and he says, uh, Mr. Johnson was caught urinating on the next-door neighbor's pet. You stand up and you say, if you're Mr. Johnson, you stand up and you say, I object, Your Honor. Trinzi versus Pegliaro, statements of counsel in brief or in argument are not sufficient for summary judgment. See, the lawyer wasn't there. He doesn't know. He didn't see you piss on the, piss on the neighbor's dog. He don't know what he's talking about. It's all hearsay. So you stand up and you object, and you do this three times. And on the third time, if the judge doesn't catch on, you take exception to it. And then later on in the, in the course of the legal proceedings, uh, you bring it back to that, and it'll get tossed out. There's no doubt about it. It's a slam-dunk case. This isn't my opinion. This is Supreme Court rulings. This is the most powerful thing you could ever think of. And here's the thing. It does not matter what you are in court for. It doesn't matter if you're in a criminal court. It doesn't matter if you're in a uh, civil court. It doesn't matter if you're getting sued for money or if you're getting sued for murder or if you're getting sued. It doesn't matter what it's for. You have to have a competent witness stand up and testify and say, you injured him. The lawyer doesn't get to do it. In another case, a lawyer might get up and say, uh, Mr. Flintstone stole 72 cases of paper clips. And he's just reading from his paper there. That's when you stand up and you say, objection, your honor. Statements of counsel and brief or an argument are not sufficient for, drum, for summary judgment. It's that freaking simple. The guy's got to sit down. He does not get to get up there and talk negatively about you. He don't know you. He doesn't get up there and get to say what an evil person you are because he has no firsthand knowledge. You can read it out of there. He's like he's reading it out of the daily newspaper. He's just, he's an idiot. And it's your job, if you want your freedom, to stand up to him and say, I object, and stake Trinzi versus uh, Pegliaro. It's that simple, folks. Have you ever stood and stared at it, marveled at its beauty, its genius? Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy? It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from, which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus. Evolution. Like the dinosaur. Look out that window. You've had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. The future is our time. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had. 
during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place, this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. If there is such a thing, I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I have somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive, isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key, my key. People that's awake and there's people asleep. Mm-hmm. Now, most people on this planet are asleep. So let's break it to the least common anomaly. Let's say the black community. Mm-hmm. We it used to they say five percent. <laughs> no, it's like old point something now. That's right. You see, that's asleep. So you're gonna be lonely because the simple fact that. People are asleep. Now, how is this? You have a chakra system in your body. And these are nine wheels of consciousness. Most, uh, excuse me, seven wheels of consciousness. There's like 160 chakras, but seven major chakras, just like there's seven African powers. Now, what has happened here to give you a scientific element of what's going on so you can clear this up so you don't have to go and be trying to holler at somebody and they laugh at you and they don't want to hear that shit. Because your family will beat you down, and niggas in the street will beat you down. You're going to try to give them a message. Now, have you around here crazy. Now, the chakra system, the lowest chakra is your sacral vertebrae. That's your root chakra. And that's where the majority of the people's um, consciousness is, on the root chakra. So the only thing that they can get down with is desires. What feels good? What tastes good, what smells good, what looks good, what sounds good. Yes. You see, the, Lord the basic sen- uh, senses, you see, on that particular level, they are called the automatons, which means automation. Okay. They moving, but they ain't, they're brain dead. 
Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, you don't even get into this particular consciousness that you can partake to understand what things is until you're radiating from the heart chakra. Mm-hmm. You see, the heart chakra. That's why the Egyptian, the heart, the scarab, the heart scarab was the most important. Even when you died, they throw the brain away. But it was the heart that they preserved. Because that's another... That's where your true self is. But, you got to radiate from the heart chakra and then you elevate on into the pineal gland. But, most people's consciousness is in the root chakra. On the five senses, the animal level. Make it look pretty, they have a PhD with a degree. They tell you it's only a degree of information. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a degree of information, it has nothing to do with a person's behavior, mm. whether they're conscious or not. You see, it has nothing to do with what a person wears. It has something to do is where they incarnated down here on a certain level, and they're radiating above the root shock. And I guarantee you this right now, even if some of you all just coming into consciousness the last couple of weeks or the last year. I'll guarantee you, you always felt special since you was a baby. Now, I've been asking that question in my lectures around the country for, 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 for 16 years. And I asked everybody, how many of you all always thought that you were special? And the whole room always raised their hand. You didn't know what it was. You see what I'm saying? But you thought it was special, and you always had a thirst for something that you didn't know what it was, and it was this model. Let me give you an example. When I was on, when I was in college, I was standing up one time. I had finished school, and I was standing um, on the college campus with one of the coaches. We got to be good friends. One of the basketball coaches, Coach Holmes. And he said, "Well, how do you how do you feel, man? You 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 educated yourself." I said, "Man, I don't feel shit." I didn't know at the time, I said, I told him, I said, I thought when I came here to this university that when I left, I was going to have some kind of knowledge. I didn't know what the knowledge was. All I know is what I, when I went through for four years, I didn't have shit. I, I, I knew, I felt empty. Now, it was, it was, you know, it was a couple of years later that what I was missing, I realized was knowledge. You see what I'm saying? But I, I, but, but I knew something was wrong, you see, and that's what it is, you, you always thought that you was, you, you, there, that something was missing, and that's why, is that just because you were, you, you were gravitating above the root shock. How y'all feeling out there? You're sitting here right here on the bottom line, right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. I'm your host, Joey Bounce L. Bay. It's the 21st of October. We in this retrograde. We, we need deep in it, ain't we? Exodus coming around. All types of shit is happening in the retrograde. So how y'all feeling? Welcome to the show. The call in number is 347-989-0194. 347-989-0194. Uh, 
Get yourself in the call line if you want to holler at me. Be happy to take your questions and your comments tonight. So, tonight, we're not going to waste a lot of time. We're going to get right into it. We're talking about minimum contacts and trust tonight. I always think the top, you know, that topics are important for us to talk about. So I talk about it. And I've been guided by our ancestors tonight to talk about this topic. Because, you know, more people are going through their process and people are attempting to become private. I was talking to my mama yesterday while right? we had this conversation. <clears throat> she says, you know, I want to get private. <laughs> she said, I'm trying to do that nationality thing you do. I said, oh, yeah, okay. She said, so how can I, how can I do that and work my job? So, you don't quite understand what this is then, huh? See, you do have the right to work in the United States as a American. As a national, you do. You have the right to work. You have the right to go and get a job if you choose to. It's about how you contract with that job that makes the difference. Now, do I personally advocate for people to go get jobs after they nationalize? No, I don't. Because <laughs> self-sufficiency is autonomy, right? So as long as you got your hand out, you're still asking for a job. You're asking for somebody to employ you. You, you, you technically can't really call yourself stopping. Really? You know what I mean? Like, you, you can't because you're still dependent. I told you, you know, every time y'all sign that signature, it's a million dollars. Million dollars. Somebody's trying to FaceTime me. My apologies. So it's a million dollars every time you sign your signature. On the dotted line. Did you know that? See, most people spend their whole lifetime trying to get a million dollars. Niggas never realize you handle a million dollars every time you put your signature on the line. Like my man Tony King says, they've been trying to see if you knew how to balance your books your whole life. You've been balancing the books or attempting to do that, not even knowing it. So, one of the interesting things, and I mean, it's pretty interesting, right? Because, um, you know, one of the interesting things is that a lot of us um, use our signature quite frequently. Constantly create new minimum contacts, right? Like I thought, my job. The job is a minimum contact. So I want want to kind of help y'all get a, a understanding of minimum contact tonight, without going too deep on you. But we're going to look at it in the aspect of trust, trust law, because a trustee. 
helps to maintain the minimum contact, right? It helps to make sure that, excuse me, it helps to maintain the separation between you and the minimum contact. The trust is why we say you gotta put everything in trust. Okay? So, let's take a look. Let me pull it up right quick. We're going to get into it. Let's take a look at the minimum contact, okay? I'm going to give y'all a working definition. A minimum contact is a term used in the United States law of civil procedure. Okay, This is a law to determine when it is appropriate for a court in one state to assert personal jurisdiction over a defendant from another state. Now, when you think about state, I want y'all to understand that. The term state is a constituent political entity, okay, either of the United States, right, or it's a state that holds its own sovereignty, right? You understand that? Okay. Now, the United States Supreme Court has decided a number of cases that have established and refined the principle that it is unfair for a court to assert jurisdiction over a party unless the party's contacts with the state in which the court sits are such that the party could reasonably expect to be hauled into court into that state. So my nigga, you, you could easily have to like, just saying that you're a resident, right? That is a minimum contact. You could have something as simple as a bank account in the state. Right, and that could be asserted as a minimum contact. So this jurisdiction must not offend traditional notions of fair play and substantial justice. See, a non-resident defendant may have minimum contacts with the forum state if they have direct contact with the state, have a contract with a resident of a state, have placed their product into the stream of commerce. See. So now you're doing some type of commerce, okay, such that it reaches the forum state, seek to serve residents of the forum state, okay, so you have some type of business, right? This could be an unincorporated association if you don't set it up correctly. You could be dealing with their residents. That's a minimum contact. Did you know that? Now, having satisfied the Carter effect test or six, have a non-passive website viewed <clears throat> within the forum state. Well, even a damn website, these people can be considered a minimum contact. Okay? Yeah, I guess you where, where I'm coming from here. Okay? See, minimum contact, these people can assert. So even if you become a national and you're not doing your business properly within the state, within their jurisdiction, right? A non-resident defendant, which you could become, could acquire a minimum contact. Now, let's go into. I'm gonna pull it up here. <clears throat> we're gonna look at, and, and we're gonna we're gonna look at this before I read. This document on trust because we're going to look at trust. 
Because, see, a trust is the most effective way for you to maintain your privacy. Many, many, many people who have had wealth have done it. Listen, I, I can't be the only person striving to get wealth. Y'all have to want it, too. And it has to be something that you want unselfishly, unselfishly, right? Selfishly. Like, you want like you want to have wealth, but you want to set it up where it's not just about you. Because guess what? We all end up in the box. And then you got people that this bad money got to get passed down to and I've, I've been to, and I'm sure y'all have to. We've been to hella funerals, man. Then a lot of niggas died. Then a lot of niggas died without life insurance. I think a lot of niggas die without wheels set up. My grandparents, none of them had wheels set up. So when we look at this, this is crucial, man. We have, we have got. To start creating some type of wealth vehicle. And it's got to be done through trust. We got to trust each other. <laughs> we got to trust ourselves. And we got to trust that we're going to make a trust to put our funds into. <clears throat> Don't it require a level of trust? Because look, you the beneficiary has to trust that the trustee is going to do his job. The guarantor, the grantor, right? You got to trust that the trustee does his job. The trust protector, everybody got a job to do, especially when we're talking about trust. Get into this. Talk about the different types of trust. The trust can be created during a person's lifetime and survive the person's death. A trust can also be created by a will and formed after the death. Now, once assets are put into the trust, they belong to the trust itself, not the trustee. And they remain subject to the rules and the instructions of the trust contract. Okay? Now, a trustee is one to whom something is entrusted, one who is trusted to keep the administrator of something, okay? A member of a board, okay? A natural or legal person to whom property is committed. See, your trustee can even be a business if you choose for it to be that. And people always ask me, well, who can be my trustee? Now, assets are put into the trust, and it belongs to the trust itself, not the trustee. And they remain subject to the rules and the instructions of the trust contract. Most basically, a trust is a right in property, okay? Which is held in a fiduciary relationship by one party for the benefit of another. Now, the trustee is the one who holds the title to the trust property, and the beneficiary is the person who receives the benefits of the trust. While there are basic Excuse me, while there are a number of different types of trust, the basic types are revocable and irrevocable. See, I like personally, I like irrevocable trust. Because that shit is set in stone. You can't change my trust. But let's look at it. A revocable trust are created during the lifetime of the trust maker 
and can be altered, changed, modified, or revoked entirely. Often called a living trust. <clears throat> These are trusts in which the trust maker transfers the title of a property to a trust. Okay, serves as the initial trustee and has the ability to remove the property from the trust during his or her lifetime. Now, revocable trusts are extremely helpful in avoiding probate. Now, if ownership of assets is transferred to a revocable trust during the lifetime of the trust maker, so is that that is owed to the trust at the time of the trust maker's death. Okay? And these assets are also not subject to probate. Okay? Now, although it's useful to avoid probate, a revocable trust is not an asset protection technique. As assets transferred to the trust during the trust maker's lifetime, will remain available to the trust maker's creditors. It does not make it more somewhat difficult for creditors to access these assets since the creditor must petition a court for an order enable to for an order to enable the creditor to get assets held in the trust. Typically a revocable trust evolves into an irrevocable trust upon the death of the trust maker. See? See, I like to, I, personally, me, I, I like to go ahead and just do a straight-up irrevocable trust, right? But when you do your irrevocable trust, you pretty much want to try to have all of your trust relationships put in there, right, ahead of time. You want to be thinking ahead. So an uh, irrevocable, uh, irrevocable trust is one which cannot be altered, changed, or modified, or revoked after its creation, okay? Now, once a property is transferred to an irrevocable trust, no one, including the trust maker, can take the property out of the trust to purchase survivorship life insurance, okay, the benefits of which can be held by an irrevocable trust. This type of survivorship life insurance can be used for the estate tax planning purposes in large estates. However, survivorship life insurance held in an irrevocable trust can have serious negative consequences, okay? Now, life, survivorship life insurance, you got to look into that. that that's how you put Insurance on your trust. People always, how do I get my car in that trust? And then put insurance on it. You got to get life insurance for the trust. The trust is bonded as well. Okay. Now there's what's called an asset protection trust. An asset, an asset protection trust is the type of trust that is designed to protect the person's assets and claims of future credit inside the U.S although the assets do not always need to be transferred to the foreign jurisdiction. The purpose of an asset protection trust is to insulate assets from the creditor attack. These trusts are normally structured so that they are irrevocable for a term of years and so that the trust maker is not a current beneficiary. See, an asset protection trust is normally structured so that the undistributed assets of the trust are returned to the trust maker upon termination of the trust provided that there is no current risk of the creditor attack, right? So let me give you an example, because a lot of people, they do these asset protection trusts, right? And um, Master P, right? This nigga did an asset protection trust, right? Um, and, and it's funny because first he did the revocable trust and he put it in the same name. Right, and they try to come after that, so then they put in the asset protection trust. See, when you're protecting your assets, depending on what type of assets you got, it's going to depend on what type of trust you need. Now, 
U.S. citizens technically are not allowed to do offshore threats. Technically, no. No corporate, no. Okay. So technically, they don't even want y'all doing. You still a U.S. citizen? They don't even want you touching trust outside of you. Now, let's talk about charitable trusts. A lot of cats do this. And, you know, I, here's the thing about charitable trusts. You'll see a lot of big people do this. Donald Trump, Obama, niggas like that do charitable trusts. Now, charitable trusts are trusts which benefit a particular charity or public in, or the public in general. Typically, charitable trusts are established as part of an estate plan to lower or avoid the position of a state or a gift tax. A charitable remainder trust, called a CRT, is funded during the grantor's lifetime and can be a financial planning tool, providing the trust maker with valuable lifetime benefits. Now, in addition to the financial benefits, there is an intangible benefit of rewarding the trust maker's altruism as charities usually immediately honor the donors who have named the charity as the beneficiary. So sometimes that's when you see that they do like, um, Citizens award dinners and shit like that Right Thanks for putting all your money into our trust That's what that is We're gonna We're gonna honor this guy Because he put $25 million of his money Into our trust fund You understand Okay Now a constructive trust. A constructive trust is an implied trust. An implied trust is established by a court, and it is determined from certain facts and circumstances. See, the court may decide that even though there was never a formal declaration of trust, there was an intention on the part of the property owner that the property be used for a particular purpose or go to a particular person. That's what they call implied, right? Now, while the person may take a legal title to property, equitable considerations sometimes require that the equitable title of such property really belongs to someone else. What do you think is going on with the United States? Y'all got aboriginal equitable title over the land, and you ain't never claimed it because you're not in your proper status department. So shit is sitting in a constructive trust, essentially. Now, how about this? They got, a, they got something called a special needs trust. A special needs trust is one which is set up for a person who receives government benefits, so it's not to disqualify the beneficiary from such government benefits. How about Social Security, y'all? Let, let me see this, because that sounds like the SS, SSN, don't it? This is completely legal and permitted under the Social Security rules, provided that the disabled beneficiary cannot control the amount or the frequency of the trust distribution and cannot revoke the trust. Ordinarily, when a person is receiving government benefits, an inheritance or receipt of a gift could reduce or eliminate the person's eligibility for such benefits. By establishing a trust, which provides for luxuries or other benefits which otherwise could not be obtained by the beneficiary, the beneficiary can obtain the benefits from the trust without defeating his or her eligibility for government benefits. Usually a special needs trust 
has a provision which terminates itself in the event that it could be used to make the beneficiary eligible for government benefits. Right? I mean, it's all types of stuff. And I think for the purpose of this conversation, those are the those are some of the most important types of trust. Let me get into this document. All right. I'm going to pull it out here. Because, see, the thing about, about these minimum contacts is that the best way to avoid them is to avoid them. Create a vehicle that allows you to avoid the minimum contacts. But if you, but if you can't see, here's the thing. If you can't create a vehicle, then how can you ever put anything in the trust, right? You can't technically, you can put a car into a wheel, but does that protect you? Does it protect you? A while back, I was asked to write a paragraph on the specific advantages of living your life as a trustee and everything you do as opposed to as a sovereign or a secure party. I was asked to cover all the related bases. That includes a comparison to show how each choice would hold up in commerce. What I came to realize is that there's only one way of life in its own category that enhances all others. All others are actually disadvantages in commerce. At that time, I had just developed a surefire way of piercing pure trust, and I was on my way to finally uncovering the pivotal flaw of federal contract trust. What my clients were asking for me at the time was a technology that would allow a statutory entity like an LLC to sniff out minimum contacts who had, excuse me, to sniff out minimum contacts. People who had that bound then to legislative jurisdiction, which would obviously allow the client to overcome the burden of establishing jurisdiction in their lawsuits against those people. I had no guilt about this because my philosophy is that ignorance is never an excuse. Equity compels performance regardless. I only assisted with cases that involve people claiming to be sovereigns in that interesting. Secure parties, general managers, managing directors, and other players and entities like Pure Trust, Federal Contract Trust and Corporation Souls. Remember the United States is a corp soul, okay? Now in each instance, there was always a common thing, contradiction. So my voice is muffled. That's right. How's that? How's that? That better? Can you hear me now? You better hear me better now. All right. He says, I only assisted with cases that involve people claiming to be sovereigns, secure parties, general managers, managing directors, and other players and entities like peer trust, federal contract trust, Incorporation soul. In each instance, there was always a common theme, contradiction. Every single one of the people I cracked had contradicted themselves by their stated position compared to their actual position. Every single one of the non-statutory entities I helped pierce was a contradiction by its intended nature and its actual nature. You see, sovereigns were nothing more than sesticate trust, beneficiaries. Secure parties were nothing more than split personalities 
reflected in commercial recordings. And even though I understand where they went wrong, the way they went about it was so rife with contradictions, you got the sense that they had uh, new screws. <laughs> That's funny. This is why they did the, the, your uh, paperwork reduction act, too, right? Now, couldn't really be helped because they wanted to be respected as predators when it suited their needs. Yet, they wanted to be absolved of liability like wards of the court when the pressure was too much. So likewise, pure trusts were really nothing more than unincorporated associations. You hear that? Let me read that again. Pure trusts were nothing more than unincorporated associations calling themselves trusts. And most federal contract trusts were nothing more than partnerships wishing they had the protection of federal courts under Article One, Section 10 of the federal Constitution. They were contracts indeed, but they had contradicted the original intent of the constitutional clause that they sought protection under because the participants were exercising a franchise either during the formation of the life, excuse me, either during the formation or the life of the trust. Strategies I was seeing and to continue to see place all the eggs in one basket. They really said that the basket was made to hold bread so the eggs would never make it to the market. Now, the sovereigns I studied during my research initially had a good point and the good case law to back up that point. However, as I sliced my investigative dogs in the case, I peeled back one layer after another in confusion. I saw the truth about the strict confines of any sovereign's role in the nation or kingdom of which he is the head. I was somewhat transplanted into the mind of the judges who had decided the cases of most sovereigns that rely on today. It became apparent that the case law actually shot sovereigns in the foot by holding over their heads an internationally recognized standard that they couldn't practically live up to with their limited financial and natural resources in today's commercial arena. So this is why we'll be telling you that it's all about commerce. Because if you ain't got no money, how could you ever consider yourself to be sovereign? This is this is what this guy is saying. So keep going. And by the way, this is this is the guy who wrote the the Weissless Ice Trust book. Now, I was somewhat transplanted into the mind of the judges who had decided the cases that most sovereigns rely on today. It became apparent that the case law actually shot sovereigns in the foot by holding over their heads an internationally recognized standard that they couldn't practically live up to with their limited financial and natural resources in today's commercial arena. Now, in the end, I didn't even ask to cite legal authorities to prove this to them, though articles like George Mercer's Invisible Contract, Richard Lankel's Benefits Accepted Equals, Equals Jurisdiction, James Montgomery's The United States is Still a British Colony, and Myth of the People Being the Sovereign, and timeless classics like William Whitney's War Powers Certainly Hit Home. Those are all books that y'all should check out, okay? especially that last one. The problem most of them face 
is that they invested a lot of time and funds into something that turns out to be false. They thought they held sovereignty, but they could now see that they voluntarily contracted themselves under suzerainty at best. This is what, what do you think we tell y'all? Everything is contract, right? Now, to be truly sovereign in olden times, you needed nothing less than, number one, a plot of land dominion over, okay? Number two, a fortified castle strategically placed on the land as to protect you, you, the sovereign. Number three, a military to protect the castle in the land. Number four, workers to do the maintenance on the castle in the land. Number five, a stockpile of weapons high-powered enough to wipe out any threat inside or outside your castle and plot of land. Number six, a stockpile of gold and silver or material or natural resources to pay the militia, workers that sustain the economy that develops out of daily needs people have when living in sustaining communities. This includes stockpile of financial or natural resources to build up your reserves for tough times. And to top it all off, number seven, you need a full sense of how to negotiate with other people who are in the same position as you who are sovereign, especially those who have bigger weapons than you, right? And might want to take your castle by force or fraud to consolidate their own empire, okay? Now, today, not much has changed except for electronic technology and what it has made possible. So to be truly sovereign today, You need nothing less than this, a plot of land that you have absolute title to, even stronger than the protections granted under the castle doctrines in Texas. It has to be a title so strong that is recognized all over the world, not just in one state or country, okay? Because real sovereignty is an international quality. You understand that? Now, you need a fortified compound. You need a militia to protect the compound and the land. It has to be more than just guard dogs. It must be an actual military presence that sends a clear message to all within earshot of your land not to invade, much less trespass. You must have workers to maintain the compound and the land. You must have a stockpile of weapons and technology powerful enough to stop a modern military offensive against you. So we're talking about real sovereignty now, right? This is that shit Dr. York was trying to do, right? Uh, You must have a stockpile of coin and gold and silver to keep you from having to use Federal Reserve notes or Amero. You need sufficient natural resources to live on and to pay your people, right? So you don't have to engage in commerce as a sovereign. Excuse me. So that you can engage in commerce as a sovereign. Otherwise, you reduce yourself to the status of a merchant, and your sovereignty is lost. And to top it all off, you need a full understanding of trust law as it pertains to sovereignty as trustees and merchants and beneficiaries. See, contract law, national security law, and negotiable instrument law, as well as the law of power relating to sovereigns and other heads of state so that you can negotiate the United States and the state governments in a way that doesn't get you dead. <laughs> conquered or in, or in prison because those sovereigns have more powerful weapons than yours. 
So otherwise, you'll end up like the Native American nation, many of which gave up their sovereignty to engage in commerce by your gambling halls and casinos. Okay, people ask me all the time, well, I thought the, the casino was sovereign because they don't pay taxes. Of course they're sovereign to a certain extent because they are under contract, right? Why? They're under contract with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. You understand? Now, the problems that you immediately face all are issues of practicality, such as while you can remove land from the incorporated city or county, your title is not absolute. You cannot effectively exercise absolute title to land as an individual, right? 14th Amendment citizen. At least not the land that isn't in the middle of nowhere. The king of the kind of isolation, right? This kind of isolation, right? In the middle of nowhere, it will leave you at risk, risk of invasion, and limits your flexibility in the information age. In isolation, you have no eyes and no ears. Out in the rest of the world, to stay ahead of the sovereigns looking to expand or to consolidate their empire. Eyes and ears are what give your intelligence to avoid being checked or checkmated. So all of this shit helps you maintain your minimum, your your, your degree of, of minimum contact because and, and, and listen, I understand not all of us going to go move out into the middle of the woods. But if you got a piece of land that you own, that's your castle. It is your responsibility to guard it with your life. Especially if you got family. Okay? Now, a compound is very expensive to build and it's difficult to maintain. Independent power, utilities, and services need to be installed off the grid. For internet access, you would need to rebuild your own satellite, maintain your own servers, etc. Regardless, however... If the fort goes, so do you because the eggs are all in one basket. This, this guy is telling you what true sovereignty is. He's not lying. Now, having a private military is a direct threat to the United States and the state government who are, for, who are far too corrupted to appreciate the absolute right of self-defense, much less the right to bear arms on an individual or nationalistic level. A stockpile of weapons will attract some unwanted attention. <laughs> it will deter some other sovereign men. But sovereigns like the United States who stockpile tanks and missiles might not deter so easily. <clears throat> okay? See, this is why you got to be peaceful. You got to move peacefully. If you're going to be sovereign, you need to move peacefully. And this is why we allocate... Um, or uh, I should say, uh, I don't even want to use the word allocate. This is why we um, promote, because you got to let these people know who you are on a peaceful tip so that they're not trying to kill your ass. Okay? See, stockpiling can be done with prudence, especially with some ingenuity. But the more firearms you got, the more suspicious other sovereigns will be the motives behind your stockpiling. So then you start looking like you're trying to do some shit. 
right? And then the arm race ensues, and you face the likelihood of invasion, invasion or what they call a preemptive strike. Right? You don't want no shit like that happening, right? Because that's where they kill you. Because then you start looking like what they call that, that uh, uh, black nationalist and all of that. We don't want that, right? That's not what we're going for. Right, we're looking for true sovereignty, which is like the ability for autonomy to move around as an indigenous person without harming anybody else's commerce. Now, using gold and silver as money with third parties is very difficult at this point because most third parties are still under the misconception that Federal Reserve notes are worth something. So you would have to wait until the U.S. economy collapsed, at which time you could use commerce to conquer by buying a property for a fraction of the cost of gold. And even so, when you do so, you're technically acting as a merchant, and you're no longer a sovereign. Even if the gold is pre-1933 lightly circulated coin, or the silver is pre-1965, 90% junk, monetary silver, the sovereign is whoever minted the coin, which would be the United States of America in this case. And if you truly understand the law, the trust law, as it pertains to sovereigns and merchants, contract law, national security law, negotiable instruments law, as well as the laws of power relating to sovereigns and the other heads of state, you will quickly realize he never truly existed. Well, at least they took it away. Right? Now, what's more, the times have changed, even though more since the idea was first entertained. Our times now make sovereignty a disadvantage in commerce because the moment any sovereign sets foot into the rest of the world to get things done, unless you do business by the barrel of a gun or the barter using no currency or coin at all, you automatically give up whatever sovereignty you have. Right? Now, what, what he's trying to tell you is that going into commerce, operating in commerce, Right. If you well, once you effectively come out of the private and step into the public and do commerce, you you lost a bit of your sovereignty. Is what he's telling you. If you don't do it the correct way. Now, a UCC financing statement, UCC one, is a very mighty financial instrument indeed, but only when used for the right situation. See, filing a lien on a trust you did not create and did not act as a trustee for its inherently fraudulent. Benefit because you are demanding a debt from an entity that owes you nothing, right? The United States government decided to issue your social security account number and thereby create a revocable living trust naming you the beneficiary. You have no grounds to file a lien on that trust. Isn't that interesting? Now, no commercial gain was that, oh, excuse me, no commercial gain was had at your expense, even if the trust is identified based on the name of the certificate trust, such as using your name in all capital letters. You got to put the shit in your own trust. Okay? Now, you can create thousands of trusts, naming all of them based on the certificate trust, and the beneficiaries don't even have to be told that they are beneficiaries for the trust to be legally and lawfully enforceable. This is why everybody under trust law right now. Everything you see around you is a trust. Everything around you. Literally. You don't know it, but it's a trust. They even got your ass in trust. Now, it happens all the time. People discover that they inherited an estate from a distant relative, 
as long as they accepted the benefit when it comes time to distribute the trust, the trust does what it was created to do. Beneficiaries are merely there to benefit, not to decide. Beneficiaries don't need to be trusted by anyone to do anything because regardless of what they do by virtue of the graciousness of the settler or the grantor, they stand only to benefit from the decisions of the people put in the control of the trust, who are the trustees. Therefore, one who is a beneficiary, one who benefits from a trust created by the United States government, has no recourse to file a lien when he discovers he's been made the beneficiary of a trust identified based on his name. There is not even a copyright, a violation, because generally names alone are not intellectual property. The substance represented by the name is the intellectual property that would be used. See, a registered mark cannot be infringed upon in the name alone, but the substance connected to the mark must also somehow be subject to the infringement. I could call anything as long as substance is original. You can call anything anything. Right? As long as, like, there's you know, origin, some originality behind it. Okay? That's why you got different books with the same names, different movies, same names, different people with the same names. See, to approach the commercial aspect of the creditor-debtor relationship, for instance, with the 1099 original issue discount OID, without understanding the pivotal role trust plays is an all-in, is, is useless. Sorry, y'all. Some of these words just ran together on here. There is no room for a UCC-1 or even a 1099 OID. The simplest way to say is that there is an adequate way to fix the problem. A resignation, a discharge of duty, a disclaimer, or a rejection of beneficial interest are the only tools you need to remedy any issue relating to holding an unwanted position in a trust. If you don't want the duty, then resign. If you don't want the benefit, then reject it. Filing to become a secure party creditor, besides being fraudulent, is actually accepting a benefit. The benefit associated with the Secretary of State publishing your commercial recording. Did you know that? Isn't that interesting? This is why. Why do you think Jonah does a non-UCC? What do you think the, the hidden security interest is, y'all? That's where it lies. Okay. Now, and, and, and here's the other thing. When you take in, okay, let's say that you got a pension. A pension is not taking a benefit. You earn that, but if you're getting HUD, food stamps, shit like that, that's a benefit. Y'all know the difference between benefits and privileges and rights and shit that you earn? Okay. Now, take all that and place a simple barrier between the sovereign or the secure party in commerce. The barrier is called express trust under the common law. 
throw out all of the fragile sovereign crown and give the man a bulletproof trusty helmet. Now, instead of him owning a plot of land with a castle, having a royal army and a royal staff of workers stockpiling his own weapons, having Federal Reserve notes or minted coins in his personal possession, and understanding all applicable bodies of law to protect himself, he now does these things on behalf of a trust. Problem solved. He needs to eat. But does he buy directly from the store with his own Federal Reserve notes or a silver dime? No. He buys on behalf of the trust and works out a private contract with the trust that enable him to eat the trust's food and offset his trustee's compensation. The trust owes him for carrying out his daily duties. Do y'all see what the hell's going on? You don't eat food that you buy. You eat food that the trust buys. I'm, nigga, I'm just taking advantage of everything the trust does. The trust is a living, breathing entity. You understand that? It's going to keep you safe. See, he sees the advantage to owning a ranch in a certain jurisdiction, but does he make an offer to purchase in his own name and thereby acquire personal ownership of the property? No. He draws up an offer to purchase or an offer to buy if the trust has gold on hand. The trust acquires the property, and the beneficiaries of the trust benefit from his wise decision. He can then contract privately with the trust as to how he would use the property, offsetting his compensation if that use involves anything outside his duties as a trustee. Even so, there are always ways to keep things strictly within the trusteeship if you are serious about living a trustee's life. Now, let's say he needs to travel to the state to do the deal. Does he get behind the wheel of his motor vehicle with the license in hand as though he's about to transport goods or passengers like he's a like a driver would? No. He's a trustee. So, he gets into a trust-owned automobile with a certified copy of the manufacturer's certificate of origin and a bill of sale and his trustee identification and he travels to that state on official trust business. This is why we tell you to put everything in the trust, y'all. Okay? Now, whatever contract he works out with the trust regarding offsetting things along the way with this trustee compensation is a private contract that is actually protected under Article 1, Section 10. There are no questions as to the validity of the balanced trust relationship. Who's asking? Another trust? See, the Constitution for the United States of America creates an express trust under the common law, as did the Articles of Confederation, to act as a limited governing entity. Article 4, Section 2 provides a clear protection to the trust and the trustees of such trust to do business on behalf of the trust while not being subject to a foreign business entity laws. The protection is real. And if the host state tried to stop you, you sue, the state would likely settle out of court. See, the state constitutions do the same for each individual territory. Therefore, the United States Corporation and all its DBAs and state corporations are, in essence, nominee trusts created under international law by the original express trust that were created back at the moment each constitution was ratified. 
anytime one of these entities has questions for an express trust under the common law, they're asking the equal to show difference not legally required. Now, Article 1, Section 10, all right, and Article 4, Section 2 of the Constitution can therefore be invoked anytime one of these entities looks as though it might impair the obligations you have to the trust and or block your ability to administer trust affairs in a certain state as a trustee. There's no need to run or hide like you would, right, with a peer trust or a federal contract trust. There's no fear of even being prosecuted. How many constitutional courts do you see these days? It takes someone like you to invoke constitutional jurisdiction to this power. Most of y'all are doing that now. When you're doing a 5.1 with the challenge. See, the extent of the protection of the trust may not have dawned on you yet. So allow me to point out a few of your obligations to the trust as are extensive as everything you do in your daily life, okay? A trustee in commerce eats, drinks, and sleeps, okay, wearing his trustee helmet. His clothes, his toothbrush, and even his trousers are trust property. When he has a Federal Reserve note, or Mero, or any other money, they are in the trust possession by virtue of his trusteeship. Your trusteeship allows you to have all of that, right? Never in your personal possession. It's a lot simpler than some would expect. A simple document binder to hold your trustee identification, authorization papers, the trust debit cards, and the Federal Reserve note is all that is ever in your possession. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, but at the same time, it is only one-tenth. It is only one nine-tenth. There is one-tenth remaining for situations such as this. The document binder has the trust name and a private property notice embroidered on the outside of the designated ownership. The notice, all, the notice also names the trustee authorized to have the document binder in his possession. So check it out, right, because a lot of people don't get this. If you have a trust set up and you're operating as a trustee to the trust or a beneficiary, it is your job to have that information on you moving around. It's your job to have that if you're going to be protected under the laws of the trust. Because guess what? The trust can create its own laws, especially depending on what type of trust it is. This is why I went over the type of trust in the beginning. Now, at that point, everything within the document binder belongs to the trust, okay? It may be in your possession as a trustee. However, the contents of the trust possessions to the extent of the nine-tenths of the law. They are in your personal possession, only one-tenth by virtue of physically being on you. You are absolutely absolved of any liability associated with having the debit card or even worse, Federal Reserve note. So for all intents and purposes, you have not reduced yourself to a merchant. You can go on and on like this, right? But to illustrate this point, what's good for you to know is that to be a sovereign or secure party creditor, when your status is practically useless every day, right, in commerce, right, you need to know how to operate trust. 
see, there's that old days, right? Own nothing, control everything. See, as long as you maintain strict separation in this manner, paying close attention to the nuances and possessions, you will avoid commingling of trust and property, and you will never diminish the protection. The commercial environment you are confronted with is as hostile towards the sovereigns today as the American Republic was towards the poor whites and the free Negroes, the Moors, right? They were without legally enforceable rights, and they had no protection, which they couldn't do for them, which they couldn't, which they couldn't do for themselves, right? And there was no universal sense of justice towards them. We talk about true sovereignty, right? Because these people operate in trust, you do too. So as a result. They were easily conquered over time and became today shining examples of 14th Amendment citizens, beneficiaries in mind and in spirit. <laughs> they became the exact opposite of today's shining examples of trustees in commerce because benefits and command accepting them happens to be an internationally recognized sovereign. However, whose jurisdiction are you under if you don't accept any of the benefits? Do you see why trustees in commerce is a league of their own? Okay, so I want y'all to understand that it's very important for you to have your trust established. If you haven't started working on trust or at least studying it, you have to. Because everything that you do, especially once you get nationalized, can create a minimum contact. And if you don't have your trust set up, oh, boy. Be prepared for what they call public charge. You know what a public charge is? I mean, let me just give you a definition of that. A public charge is the determination that evaluates whether someone is likely to become reliant on public benefits and consequently whether he or she may enter the country or modify his or her immigration status to become a permanent resident. You understand that? They can institute a public charge on you by you having a minimum contact and pull you right back into that shit, make you a permanent resident. And then by way of that, you become a U.S. citizen all over again. Fuck all of that. Going, I'm going to go back to and change it at the Social Security office. No, you didn't even got to do all of that. It's by virtue. It's by virtue. Think about that, all right? You see it right here on the bottom line. I'm your host, Joey Brownsville Bay. The energy feels good. I hope y'all getting this information in tonight. Tonight we're talking about minimum contacts and trust law. 347-989-0194. Car lines are wide open. Right after this commercial break, we're going to open these lines up to see what's happening with y'all. Keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back.
That's M-A-K-E-M-O-O-R-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. Go check it out right now. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet. The new Evolution Radio Network. Radio Network. Make sure you tune in on Monday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. Dr. Set. Get your reading. Should be right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. Awake with our set on Monday. So make sure you tune in. Open for Friday for my man Jonah Bay. I'm um I've been contemplating on doing another show during the week. Um, myself. You know, when I, you know, when I first started this thing, I know I used to do two shows. I used to do um, Saturday and Sunday shows. So I've been thinking about going back and doing a second show during the week. So I'll keep y'all updated on what day I'm going to do that. I haven't decided yet. i got to figure out what works with this busy-ass schedule of mine. All right, now, a couple of announcements. We're going to get to the call lines. We're going to be um, in Dallas next, uh, yeah, Dallas next month. The Dallas and Houston, shit. I don't remember. I apologize. We're going to be in Texas. I'll, I'll give y'all more info when we get closer to it. We're going to be in Texas next month. So if you're in the area and you want to come out, it's going to be a one-day seminar. Jonah Bay and myself, nationality seminar. Come get this info. You know, your boys are national now. So, you know, we're going to be dropping some of this new information for y'all. So I'll be happy to see y'all at the seminar, man. I know we, we do different, we, we do separate seminars. Um, you know, I came to seminars and I do them, and then we do them with Jonah. So I'd be happy to see y'all come out. Come out, holla at me in Texas. All right, we're going to be out in Texas. We're trying to do the third week of November, is what we're looking at. Okay, so I'll keep y'all posted on the date. And I said, let me give y'all a date right now. Okay, we're looking at doing, because um, I believe they got Atlanta on the 10th, so we're going to do. Uh, either the 17th or the 24th, and I will let y'all know for certain uh, this coming up week by Friday. Okay? Also, I got a webinar coming up that you don't want to miss. You want to make sure that you get on this upcoming webinar. I'm going to be going over how to put all of your property into a tax exempt trust. All right? My man Jonah did the car trust webinar. What I'm going to show you is how to do the religious trust. Okay? I'm going to show you how to put your property into the religious trust. Okay? I'm going to do some trust basics. We can call this a trust webinar. I'm going to be doing a trust webinar for beginners. You want to get on that webinar? Webinar is going to be $150. All right? 
So I have some information I'm going to give out with the webinar. Let me give y'all the dates. Trust webinar, okay? Webinar is going to be next next Friday, the 2nd. Next Friday evening on the 2nd. Okay? The link will be up on my site. Trust webinar will be 150 if you want to get on the webinar. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to go over a lot of basics on trust to help y'all get started. We're going to go over some stuff on the 9-8 number. going to be like, cause somebody asked me to do a class, right, a beginner's class. So you know what? We're just going to go ahead and go in and do a trust class, a beginner's trust class. So those of y'all who just getting started, some of y'all who have been around for a while who might need to refresh you, all right? And I'm going to give out some new things, too, because I've been really working heavy on the trust. I got a lot of foreign trust and stuff set up, working on getting that. Also, one more thing. I've got a service now available. If you are national or have nationalized, Okay. And you're looking to get your foreign trust account set up. Make sure you holler at me in the private. And we can get that set up for you and get your foreign bank account and your trust account stuff set up. All right? It must be a national. I can't do it for U.S. citizens. All right, let's go to 813 on the bottom line. What's happening? What's good with you, bro? I'm chilling, man. What's going on? You just talked about everything I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to, um, I just finished watching the, um, I got a discharge webinar with Jonah, and I got everything lined up. I'm supposed to be faxing off the, uh, SS4 for tomorrow. Get that set up. One question I had was with the, uh, doing the DDA. Do we wait for the SS4 okay. to come back to do the DBA? Nah, you can do nah, you can do DBA at any stage in the game. All right. But in Florida, on the form, they got a, uh, at the bottom of the form, they got the F-E-I-N. Is that where we put the E-I-N mm-hmm. number on there, on the, on the document? Yeah, so if I remember correctly, in Florida, um, I think... Do you have to get an EIN in the state of Florida? I don't remember. Um, it's FEI. No, so not, not, it's not for the DBA. Uh-huh. For the business, right? Yeah, for the business, because it's going to be my trustee. Put the EIN number down. They, yeah, put the EIN number down. And they, they charge, like, I think in Florida, it's like 70 bucks. Right, right, right. Certified copy is 30, plus the certified copy is $80, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I, I did one a while back. So um, I would just put that in there, man. Put that put that uh, EIN number in there from the business. If there's anything okay. that's incorrect, they always will let you know. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure because I did a DBA a while back with just my regular name with the illegals. I had it on uh, okay. last name, comma, first name, middle, doing business ass. First, last, first, last move. No, I've been to that first, last move. Yeah, that's correct. So, um, that's correct. That's that. correct. And if you are, and if you are, what I was reading tonight, you might even want to do another one for your trust. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's why I'm trying to go through the process. So, um, I got all the documents set up right here. I even 
typed up the decoration of trash. But I know that's the last name for the one. That's right. And on the, that's, uh, right. that's why I'm going to do that webinar because that's, that's, that's so crucial for people, man. Because, you know, like a lot of people get to that point and they're like, well, now what? What do I do now? <laughs> right, right. You know. I got another question. So, um, What it was? Uh-huh. Um, Damn, I got the damn question. So that, 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 that. But really, that's it. If I think it's something else, I'll be on here listening, and I'll get back at you. Okay, God. I appreciate it. All right, let's go to uh, 240-320 on the bottom line. What's happening? Peace, Joe. Peace. So yeah, I'm glad you uh, you said something about that uh, million dollars of signature because even like small stuff like uh, today I, I just went and bought some small stuff and uh, I was like you know what I'm just about to sign my regular signature because I got to go but <laughs> something told me to like stop and it's like nah make sure you put your last comma first middle even on small mm-hmm. things like just going to get some food or whatever everything bro. Mm-hmm. I sign everything now. Right. I sign everything with my with, with my estate doing business as. I write it. I, even if it takes me time to write it out, I write it out. Right. Yeah, I I did. Um, I sent <clears throat> I sent in my DBA. Um, not too long ago, and uh, I sent it to North Carolina, Wake County. I don't know why I didn't do it, but I think it says you can put up to like fourteen. DBAs on there on that one sheet. So I think you just pay for it just one time and then you put all your DBAs on there. I forgot to do that for like the things like the estate and the trust. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so, so I'm, wait, I'm confused. Uh, Are you a- were you asking me a question or you- oh, okay, I, I got no, you. No, I, I was just saying so, I, that's one thing I, I wish I would have okay. done because you reminded me of, of doing that. Uh, that's all right. I mean, you know, you can always, you can always go back and do it, though. But, you know, I mean, right. the good thing about DBAs is DBAs um, expire. You you can change DBAs. You can do revisions to them. Um, or you can create new ones. DBAs change all the time. You know, air, you know, because I'm, I'm working right now with some airline um, things. And airlines can create up to 10 DBAs. And operate under different names and different auspices, as they call it. So you're no different. Mm. Speaking of that, um, so I did the uh, I got the EIN, but mm-hmm. I got some information mi- uh, mixed up, and I I think I didn't wait long enough to to start the the process for the EIN. And when I tried signing up for like a, a bank account, they said, "Oh, we need more information, um, picture of your social security card, or something like that," uh, where they wanted more verification. So, do you think I should just let that EIN go altogether, or uh, was it for a business? Try to start over. I think this one. No, this was a CPN. CPN just for the, uh, the straw man or something like that. But then again. Oh, Akeem said not to use oh, that. Yeah, yeah, like, and I would agree with him. 
the only way you're really supposed to use that is you, like, you're supposed to go in and open a bank account with either the estate number, use the estate mm-hmm. number as a guarantor for a business, um, or, like, I, I typically, I, I personally don't recommend that you open a bank account with a CPN number. I don't like that idea. I like the idea of opening a bank account with an estate number or a business right. account. But CPNs typically shouldn't really be used for that. But if you're going to attempt to try to do that, um, I would open up a business account and try to use that as a guarantor. But you got to have good credit on it. Because if your credit ain't good, they're going to start asking you questions. Right. And then right. he told you not to do that because because you can catch yourself up with some problems. Yeah, that was. I would advise. Yeah, I, I would advise that you um, read the CPM manual if you got it. Yeah, I got to go over that. I just been waiting to uh, get the non-UCC and uh, injunction done. Actually, um, yeah, speaking the of not, the uh, non-UCC, speaking of the non-UCC, um, one of the things was the um, certificate of appointment and the uh, actually the color of law form as well. So I wanted to ask. Um, one, who the appointment is for the the GSA appointment, and then who the uh, recipient is on the color of law. Well, the color of law recipient is wh- whomever you, you're sending it to. So, like, um, if you if you got a, a court case, it would be the judge. You know, if you if you're doing a nine UCC, you can put the county in there. You know, whoever, whoever your recipient is. Um, in terms okay. of the GSA, I'm not really sure what you're asking me on that. That gives a little more clarification. Um, so this says, um, this says organization, agency, department, and then signature uh, and title. So I was just trying to figure out who those three would be. I'm not exactly sure without looking at it, and, and that's a question that I don't, I don't want to give you the wrong answer on, and. Okay. If you like, you can reserve that question for Jonah, or, or, or you can hit me up on the private, and I can look at the form. But um, I don't want to give you the incorrect answer without on the on the on the air. But I would tell you, Jonah's a lot more versed with that with that with the GSA bonds. Okay. He knows them shit like the back of his hand. So that would be more of a question to, to deal with him on. All right, that's peace. I've, right, I've dealt with them shit, man, but but you got to do, you know, certain GSA bonds are for certain things, you know what I'm saying? So, um, especially right. when you're talking about doing the non-UCC as well, yeah, yeah, you need to make sure that you're doing it efficiently. If you haven't um, gotten it, he got templates. You need to make sure you get those templates. There are templates for the non-UCC. I don't know if you got okay. those or not. I sound like you may have them already, but. If, if you don't, I would get those because those will help you in templates so you can see exactly how you fill his his forms out. Okay. That works. That works. All right. All right, brother. I'm going to say peace. All right, peace. Peace. Yeah, I'm just like done. I'm going to tell you, if I don't know it, I don't know it. 337-936. What's happening? Peace to God. Peace to God. Hey, what up, Joy? It's all good. Hello. How you, you good? I'm good. Um, I was just calling, man. Um, I had set up a consultation with you yesterday. I was saying, I don't know if I missed a step or anything. 
I was just calling, checking, checking on it. John Troll. Yeah, okay. Um, what you need to do, if you haven't already, is go on, go back on the site, and um, under the calendar, you need to book a uh, date and a time. I, I, I had that yesterday, um, for the one for yesterday. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't available this weekend, nothing like that. I'll be busy, oh, bro. All right, all right. So if if you book, it's better to it's book. If, if you book with me, if yeah, if you book with me in the evening on the weekend, normally I'm not gonna be able to get oh. with you till Monday. So right. you in my weekend crowd. It's like so like I got probably you and maybe about ten other people who who book consultations and pay for stuff. So that's stuff I usually take care of Sunday night, going into Monday during the week. So like what we could do, um, is if you want to go back on the site. Schedule another time for tomorrow. Um, my calendar should be open. You can schedule a time on my calendar, and then we, we can honor that time for you. All right. And that goes to anybody else, too, who may have missed the consultation with me. Make sure that you do that. Make sure that y'all... Um, I had a few people that, that went on there and scheduled the, the date, but they, they forgot to pay. So make sure y'all do both. And I'll honor that, no problem. All right. All right. Peace of the God. I know you already paid, so just make sure you schedule your time. Gotcha. All right. Peace of God. Peace. 219-202. Welcome to the show. Two one nine two zero two. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello? 219202. Two, 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 two. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Islam, uh, my name is Jeff. Islam. Uh, calling, uh, calling from up north. Um, I'm calling from Canada. And uh, I've been listening okay. to. I've been listening to your Captain show. Jeff, what part of Canada are you in? I'm from Toronto. Okay. From Ontario. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's been uh it's been it's been really interesting just listening to you guys down there and uh how you guys have kind of sorted out the matrix and uh how you guys have been going through it. Um, we're not we're not as far ahead. At least no one that I've come in contact with is as far ahead up here. They're not doing it like that. And I think our system's a little bit more um, confusing, um, just because of how it's set up. You know, it's this monarchy. It was the colony, but they never joined the confederation. And um, you know, the history is a little bit more complex. So it's definitely a corporation. Right. But um, right. but um, you guys at least had the republic. We didn't really have that. So I'm just up here trying to sort it out. And um, you know, I wish I had uh, put my put my thoughts together a little bit clearer before I called back before I called in again. But, That's all right. But I'm just gonna ask you. That's all right. Um, speak what's um, on your heart. I'm asking you first of all. Do you, uh, huh? Speak what's on do your you heart. Sorry, you know what? One second, one second. My my phone is really low, and uh, I have to put you on speaker to hear you clearly. 
So I'm not sure. The question is, I'm going to I'm cut the music. I'm going to cut the music. All right. Go ahead. Do, you have any about, uh, do you have any basic knowledge about um, how we would operate out of Canada? What kind of moves we, we would make in order to um, – to uh to uh to start to get the moors up here kind of going first i'm just wondering if you have any basic knowledge and then i'll ask you another question on top of that so that's a really interesting question that you asked me because the concept of aboriginals in kansas is um i'm excuse me kansas in, in canada is not something that um i'm not familiar with i was actually reading a document recently that was talking about a lot of the rights um, of Aboriginals in Canada, because because you know as well as I do, there are Aboriginals in, in Canada, and they have actually recognized the rights of Aboriginals in Canada, because there's a lot of Aboriginal banks in Canada. Um, now, with that being said, the Indigenous people of Canada, those who are under the crown. Right? They would be Canadian citizens, right? So, with that being said, the same way that you get a passport, same way that you declare who you are, has to be done in Canada. Now, I want to read something to you, okay, because this is interesting. Since that indigenous peoples in Canada, also known as Aboriginal Canadians, of the indigenous peoples within the boundaries of the present-day Canada. They, comp- they comprise the First Nations, although Indian is still a term commonly used in legal documents, the descriptions of Indian Eskimo have somewhat fallen into the disguise in Canada, and some consider them to be pejorative. Now, similarly... Aboriginal as a collective noun is a specific term of art used in some legal documents, including the Constitution Act 1982, though in some circles the word is also falling into disfavor. Now, here's what you got to know, brother. The characteristics of the Canadian Aboriginal culture today don't look like they did a um, hundred years ago. 200 years ago, just like they don't here, right? Just like they got us under U.S. citizenship here, they got y'all under Canadian citizenship there. It is your responsibility because they've done the rights of indigenous people. Canada, I believe, was one of the countries who also signed off on it. So with that being said, it's it's y'all's responsibility as well to declare who you are. Now, they got courts up there. Just like they got a... So uh, let me ask you a question. You still there? You still with me? Still there, brother? Oh, he's gone. We, we lost him. All right. So put, let me see if I can pull him up again. There, there he is. All right. You still there? You got me back? Yeah. All right. Let me ask, right, let me ask you a question. You got a birth certificate from Canada, correct? That's correct. Right. Now, on your birth certificate, got you as a Canadian citizen. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Sure. They classify what they classify you as Negro? No. 
They don't do that up here. How they do it? How they do it? How they do it in Canada? Where they classify you as? They just have you as a citizen. I got I got my certificate black birth. Um, they just write you out as a um, they write out, write you out as uh, first name, middle name, last name. Um, mm-hmm. and they have your mother um, uh, sign off. Um, they even put my father on there, and um, you get the same certificate of birth, but you're just as a citizen. They don't do it. They don't do you as like Negro, black, white. Um, as far as mm-hmm. I, as far right. as mine goes. So, so, so you see what they did. See, see here we have what was known as the Racial Integrity Act, right? The Racial Integrity Act was specifically done to classify people here under race, because if they could do that. They can create the civil rights that they have, but there, you got the crown, and they've made everybody citizens under the crown. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. with that being said, they have made a distinction because if you go around places in Canada, you'll see Aboriginal banks, right? And you'll see Aboriginal associations and shit in Canada, right? And they've even written it into their law to recognize Aboriginals. Isn't that yeah. something? So. That's right. Now, let me ask you this. You want to do a name change in Canada, where do you go? I want to do a name change? Shit, I've never done You want that. to change your name I've in never... Canada? Um, okay. I know, let me ask you I a different question. I, know I asked you process. in a different way. I asked you in a different way. If you want to sue somebody for taking your property or damaging your property, what court in Canada would you visit? Uh, we, have, we have a small claims court. Up to uh, ten thousand dollars. Okay. What what division is that in? What, what I'm getting at is it, what, is it what, a what jurisdiction? Is it, yeah. Is um, it Supreme Court? Well, is it, we understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We. I'm, I'm being facetious. We, 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 so we have administrative courts, and we have Supreme okay. Courts. So it would okay. be in a. It'd be in a like a administrative. I never had to sue someone, but. Um, as far as I know, okay. it's administrative court. Okay, okay. So just like here, you got different levels. That's okay, right. For court systems, right? So when you want to change your name, there's a level to that, right? There's different there's different venues for that. So what I'm going to implore you to do, because obviously your laws are different there, you're under the crown. But the good thing about your situation, my brother. Is that in Canada they have recognized Aboriginals? These motherfuckers here still don't want to recognize them. They say all the Aboriginals here are dead. Wow. They call everybody Indian, right? So hmm. because so they, they know Aboriginals they, exist. Go ahead. No, no. I saying they also have like they have First Nations and they have um they have they have Indigenous um. But I guess they do recognize Aboriginal as well. Um, but it's very interesting because they have these treaties with specific, like, um, Aboriginals or First Nations, which is what a lot right. of times they term them. But, um, okay, I'm so, not going, so but you, I got you, one, you one point you, to make. You, 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 well, hold on. You fell off. Did you hear what I read to you before you fell off? You know what? I I missed out part of that. I missed out part of that. I just caught the tail end. Let me read something to you. When I called back. As of the 2016 census, Aboriginal peoples in Canada totaled 
to 1,673,785 people, or 4.9% of the nation's population, with 977,230 First Nations people, right? Now, there's 7.7% of the population under the age of 14 that's Aboriginal descent. There's over 600 First Nations, what they call recognized, I guess they call them recognized First Nations, right? In Canada, yeah. or bands with distinctive cultures. Now, check this out. This is this is what's interesting. Just like here, you can you can be autonomous and you can come out of your United States citizenship. You can do the same thing there and go back into being an Aboriginal Canadian. No difference. Okay. Your laws allow. Okay, you let me ask, let me ask you this. And and they're more conducive for you there. Go ahead. Okay, so my my one point that I just want to get clear, clarity is my parents are from Jamaica, right? And they came up here mm-hmm. first generation, and then I was born here. So is it based on because I'm born here, or is it based on where they're born? It will be a Aboriginal... Jamaican Canadian. <laughs> you understand? Because yeah. you know, uh, uh, essentially, see, the, the thing is, is, is like you almost don't. I don't know if Canada does birthright citizenship or not, right? Like they do here, right? And, and, and that and that's how they naturalize you, make you a Canadian citizen through birthright citizenship. It has to be. Because right? your parents would be Canadians, right? They, they would be Canadian citizens and Jamaican nationals. So you would still be a Jamaican national, but you could also be a Canadian national. Right? I got a friend of mine, white guy, who just became a Dutch-American national. Shout out to him, by the way. Okay. But, so, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't really matter. You were still born in Canada. You're still Aboriginal. That's know? right. Your skin's still brown You can still tie into the land Cause ain't the aboriginal people in Canada Ain't they copper color skin people Well now Nowadays they're They're Caucasian <laughs> But not They're yeah, close, they're close well, to Caucasian well, yeah. Well, well yeah Well a five dollar Indian shit But you're right but, but, but if we go look at the true aboriginals in Canada in Australia, these people are are, are copper color people, right? America, yeah. The aborigines, aboriginals, and Indians, two different things. That's why they can't call themselves aboriginal. They never have and never will. So they're they're indigenous or first nations. But our people were from north down to south. I know we traveled, but um, you know, right. I know right. we're aboriginal. I know we're Aboriginal based on, you know, the darkest melanin people are um, were were on this continent. I know based on continent that I'm Aboriginal. Um, it's just mm-hmm. when I look at Canada, it's just I wasn't sure, you know, to prove to prove that to the Canadian government if I'm supposed well, to bring some you, documents. Well, you do it the same but, way. You, you, you do it the same way that you do it here, bro. And 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 the way that's done is through declaration. Oh, by by making an affidavit and claiming a declaration that's right. of, that's right. of Aboriginal. That, 
Right, right, exactly. And I would almost suggest that you do the process similar to how we do it here. Go in and do the name change correction. Now, so now here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, this is what's in, this is what's incumbent upon you is that now you're going to have to do the research, the historical research in that particular country for Moors, okay. for Aboriginals, for for people of that descent. So this way you can put that in your case, you know, when, when you're doing your name change there. Now I have to admit I don't know all the rules in Canada. I don't live in Canada, but I know yeah. that you under the crown. The crown, the crown of Canada is holding citizens just like the United States is holding citizens. True. Except the crown bank ain't associated with the Federal Reserve and all of that, and they own, they got their own thing going on over there. Yeah, you know, it's very, it's very similar to what you see out there, but they got different terms for everything, and um, the way they approach it. It's, it's like the same, it's like a brother brother nation, the the way they do everything. They have, um, this, you know, we're, all, we're, we're corporate citizens. They call us officers when you do the research. Um, and so we're 14th Amendment, but it's like there's no du jour. There's like there's no, um, there's no, like, national, like, because... Well, 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 there is. The corp- your, your republic... See, see, your republic is what was there before the crown. Is and that's why I'm but telling then, you that they recognize those Aboriginal nations. So it's your duty to come out of the crown and go and go into your Aboriginal status. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go on my end and just figure out what a straight Aboriginal, how to get myself classified. But they're gonna want to know my tribe and like. You know, that's where I start getting blurry on how to tie it in to like well, know, my tribe. That's why the, I don't um, know dark skin. That's why you got the right. What well, that? That's why you got the rights of, of indigenous peoples. You you damn near could may, maybe even tie yourself in with any of the tribes from here that were associated with tribes from there, because there were tribes that went back and forth, like that? like, to, like sorry, sorry, there were tribes. That, yeah, there were tribes in Detroit. And Minnesota and those areas by the Great Lakes that were close to Canada that were tied in with tribes yeah. in Canada. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, if you wanted so to do that. Or or if you wanted to just tie yourself into Jamaica. But you live in Canada, you was born in Canada, tie yourself into that landmass. But I'm just saying as long as they're not gonna trip on my parents being from Jamaica and saying, Oh well, your parents came from Jamaica and now you're trying to tie yourself into tribes up here. Well, how how can you do that? See, because what you what you're trying to do is become a national, essentially, in, in your particular country, right? Canadian yeah. a Canadian national, not a, not a Canadian citizen, right? And, and at the same time, you automatically you automatically a Jamaican national by virtue of your parents being from there. So what you're attempting to do is is not you essentially you, you could tie yourself in with Jamaica right and be an Aboriginal, period because Aboriginals was all over. That's one thing. So you're Aboriginal, you're Canadian Aboriginal, Jamaican national. Canadian Aboriginal, Jamaican national. Okay, you know that's okay. That's why even in Jamaica, 
they um they hid they hid the history really well because even I was looking, trying to research, yeah, they did. you know, right? The the the, the yeah, Aboriginals they is they like did. they they erased it from the from the face of history. All they ever say, say is that the they had they had slaves who ran away, and then they 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 called them they called they called them um fuck what's the term they made up a term to call them and then they gave them then they made a treaty with them but all they termed them was as slaves that ran away so they 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 try and um, tie everyone in Jamaica back to being from Africa and they say all the aboriginals all the indigenous died that's literally what they say in their history and um, the only treaties they have there are with Huh? Yeah, that's what they say happened in the Americas too. Yeah, so that's what it is. But I feel you on on going and trying to just claim straight Aboriginal. Um, you know, it's just when they when they when they challenge me, um, I guess that's going to be a, a learning process. Um, you know, I was yes, even thinking. Yeah, it's going to be a big process. So, you know, one, two questions I have left, right? I don't want to take up too much time, but two questions I have left. You know, looking just from afar, from my position, I want to start, like, you know, moving in a more private way. You know, right now I work using my, my I work um, as like a, for like a company and doing training and um, fitness training and all that. Um, but I'm trying to, Move in a private way. Um, so I'm just wondering from from you, like you know, I still have a sin. I don't know if they're gonna recognize my Aboriginal status right away. I don't even know how to approach it. But um, you know, should I, you know, be starting up my own business? Should I be applying for a nine eight? Like someone so smart was saying, I should apply for a nine eight from the from the US and uh and I should and I should start doing like foreign trusts like that. Um but I'm well, just curious here's the thing. what is it, 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 the thing. Your um your country has a version of the IRS, right? So yeah. Um I forget what they call it there. It's like the it's like the R S or something like CRA. that. What's it called? Canada Revenue Agency. CR, right. So they have just like the IRS has numbers that they give out for foreign trust. So, so do that. So, yeah, you know, the one thing that they them. say, the one, the one thing I read, I was trying to read up on that a little bit, and I kind of stopped at the point where they said anyone who tries to apply for a 9-8 number or the equivalent foreign trust um, has to be paying taxes in another country. That's the one line that I just kind of got stuck on right there. Before they'll give it out, that's what they want. Well, which which you can, I mean, the thing is, I, I ain't going to lie to you. That's a tough subject. I'd have to do some more studying on that. Because being a foreigner and, and trying to establish a foreign jurisdiction, because it's like, okay, maybe you don't go there, but maybe you go somewhere like the Bahamas. And establish trust, right? Trust is trust. 
you want to establish a trust outside of this jurisdiction. Yeah. <laughs> you establish a trust outside of your jurisdiction, and then you get off from paying your taxes in Canada, say, but then you're still liable to Bahamas, right? Not necessarily, depending on what type of person you are. In, in, individual, entity, or whatever you want to call it. National, citizen. You know what I'm saying? Depending, if you are, if you are a citizen of Canada, then yeah, you're probably going to be subject to the taxes of the crown. If you're national, Canadian national, Jamaican national, American national, these people don't pay taxes. These people are in different arenas. <sighs> okay. All right, I'm gonna have to look into that. Um, I'm gonna have to look into that a little more. I just wanted to start touching base with y'all because y'all are like the family on the other side, and you know I was even considering like moving to the states to try and you know start moving like you guys are moving. Like you know I hate the fact I'm paying all these taxes. I hate the fact they have me as a corporate citizen. That they have me all under all these special laws. The fact that they make me move like I'm a like I'm a slave, so so I'm trying to mm-hmm. get start to work my way out of that. And I was even considering like, well, do I have to like move to the states and then I can start I don't you think know, so. pulling off some I don't, of, I don't think so. No, I, I I don't think that you have to. Um, be, and I say that because th- there are Canada is a lot more Aboriginal friendly. They just are. Mm-hmm. You know, from from everything I've read, they actually acknowledge that Aboriginals are, are still alive and there, even though they yeah. don't want to. So I just have to figure out how to freak it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to figure yeah. out how to freak okay. it. I mean, I'd be happy to help you. You set up some conversation time. We can look at it, and dive into it a little bit. But it's a it's a lengthy topic. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, not, I would, I would like, No, sorry, I was just saying. Yeah, I would like to. I'd like to sit down and talk a little bit. And kind of and kind of and kind of break uh, you know break a little bread with you just just um, figuring stuff out. But I wanted to give a heads up because you know I don't want to just like call a consultation and then you're just like oh well I'm not sure <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on up there. So I want to start to start communicating so that maybe you know you take a moment and maybe oh look yeah at no what I'm, you, I'm, you I'm, find. I'm very familiar. I'm- yeah, I'm very familiar with, with what's going on with Aboriginals in, in different parts of the globe. It's just that our laws are different depending on where you are. So you got to move differently. Like, you can literally set up trust anywhere, man, and, and it will protect you. Now, you just got to figure out how you move within the trust laws of Canada, how you move as an Aboriginal candidate. Don't mean it can't be done. That's a process that yeah. has to be perfected up there. You, you start perfecting that process yeah. up there. You know what I'm saying? Then you start creating an, another avenue for yourself to eat to help more people up there. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I want to get done. So I kind of want to like, you know, I kind of want to like start chopping it up with you guys so I can, because I just wanted to eliminate as much of my um, like roadblocks by just talking with you guys and figuring out how you guys are doing it. Because a lot of it's relatable. Like I authenticated my birth certificate on the what you guys call a state, we call a province, and then I authenticated on on the on the federal what you guys call federal too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of I, mean, so I want to make it absolute. that's naturalization. 
You know, that's your naturalization paperwork in a sense. So in a sense, you pulled yourself out of the crown. This is why you guys so do this. why you think your name changed and all of that. So, you know, I was trying to write up after David, but I wasn't sure on the, the wording. So I, tell me if this is right. I was going to say, um, you know, I... So my spiritual name, my Moorish name, is Arisen El Mazdar Bey. That's what that's my spiritual name, right? That's what I gave myself as spiritual name. Um, but you know, I still have my my I still have my corporate name, or I still have my um my um my um my slave name. I don't know. I still got I still got my my Canadian name. Um, so I was trying to. So I, I authenticated my birth my live certificate of birth, which has my surname first name, um, middle name, and um, my birth certificate, which I lost, but I have my live birth, but just not the card of birth certificate, but it said, like, my first name, middle name, last name. So I was trying to write up uh, affidavit saying, you know, I, do I write it up saying I Horizon, or do I write it up saying I Ford Jeffrey Thomas, like, I Ford Jeffrey and uh, declare that um, my former name okay. is Jeffrey All right. Thomas. All right, let me. All right, let me see. Yeah. All right, so let me slow you down a little bit. Let me slow you down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there, there's always a distinction. There's, there's a spiritual name. Everybody on the line recognizes this. This is your spiritual name with the L Bay. That name is, is the first lien holder. Right, and that name is doing business as the estate. Your estate That's my is, DBA. Your, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your estate is is your last name, first name, middle name, and then it's doing business as your all caps name. Okay. Because they do all caps up there too. Okay, so if I'm if I'm writing up, um, so two things I need to write up. I need to write up. Um, I need to write up uh, affidavit stating that um, you know my my um, my state business name um, is my former name, and that my spiritual name. Is is like my spiritual and my form that I used to go by my DBA my state DBA and that um, I'm now going by my spiritual name. So I need to write that up. That you know, at one point I was going by this. Now I'm going by now I'm going by this. And then yeah, it sounds like a declaration. It sounds like a declaration. Hey, hey, listen, yeah. I don't want to cut you off. There's a lot, there's a lot of people behind you, bro. And yeah, yeah, I would yeah, advise yeah, sure. that you take some time. Set, set, set up some time, man. And we can talk in private and be happy to go over that info with you. All right, but I don't want to take All up right. time from other people who got questions. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. And you know what, blood? I appreciate uh, you taking some time out to talk. And I'm glad you have a little bit of knowledge because, you know, uh, you're probably going to be more I'll probably be hearing from you more and more as I as I break this down and I plan to break it down. So, um, I'll, yeah, I'll no doubt that's the matrix, you. man. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm gonna do some a little bit of reading on my end, so I'm not I'm not too ignorant on it. 
But I'm starting to I'm starting to okay. get a little bit of clarity. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna catch up with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna set something up, and uh, and then we'll talk in the remaining about a week. Okay, no doubt. Say peace to the God. All right, peace to the God. All right, all right. Let's go to uh, let's go to three three seven nine three six. Hello. Hello. Yo. Oh, my bad. I'll turn the queue, man. You already got me. Okay, all right, all right. Let's go to. Oh, I had a one 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 in there. It just came out. Let's go to a one three four four three. Peace to the God, Joey. What's going on? It's all good. Peace to the God. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I just got a couple questions tonight. Um, First question right. is, okay, man, how do I start utilizing my estate? I mean, what's the best route to start utilizing that number? I mean, how? <clears throat> it depends on what you want to do with it. Well, I want to start doing some personal credit with it first before I make a start doing the business credit. I know I got to get the DVA before I start doing the business credit. I got to get my trustee on board. You know, what I would do is go open up a bank account, use that estate number, either to open the account directly or use it um, as the guarantor. Do it at a credit union and borrow against and then, like, put some money in the account and borrow against it. And then it will report to the credit under that number. Um, for however long that loan period is, that will get it kickstarted. That's one way to do it. Okay. Uh, my second question. You gotta do it like you would do your regular credit, bro. Okay. All right. I, I, I got that part. All right. And the second question is um, I got the FR, I got the Fair Reporting Credit Practice from you. What else should I get yeah, with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, FCRA. Yeah. F- okay, you got the FCRA. Um, what you trying to do? You trying to sue somebody? Who you trying to sue? Yeah, yeah, they pulled my credit without without my authority. Okay, so what you need is you need to get the um the summary judgment. Uh-huh. You need to you need to get the court complaint. Uh-huh. I would advise that I would advise that you get third party part two webinar if you don't have it. Because it's gonna it's gonna go over some things that I'm not discussing right now, um. So you so you need to get that, um. And really the oh oh and if and there's the notary protest, I will get the notary protest to play. Those are really the the things that you need to be successful to see that case through. So the webinar is just be the first thing I grab. For I'll get the webinar then you can see what you're missing. But, you know, the, the main thing is the complaint, summary judgment, notary protest. Well, the webinar tell me exactly how to do it and what else I need to, to be successful. Right, exactly. Yes, exactly. Okay. If you still got questions after that, you can hit me. Okay. All right, that's it, man. I appreciate it, man. Okay, bro, no problem. All right, peace to the All right, peace to All right, let's go to uh, 813-720. Hello? 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 Hello?
Hello, hello. Go to nine one seven seven nine six. Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, Joey. This uh, this is Eugene. Um, calling because I, I have a testimony. Oh yeah, drop your testimony. I know you dropped it on Friday. You can drop it again. I appreciate it though. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I just want to say that I uh, beat my traffic case. Um, you know, I, I had a, two tickets, actually. And uh, from March, um, I was fighting it. And, um, you know, I put in my uh, motion to dismiss. I put in my um, 5.1. I, I put my affidavits and stuff. And, and then finally, um, at the end, towards the end, I, I put my motion to dismiss. And um, you know the 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 judge was actually um, uh, acting like, you know, he didn't read my. He was saying like, oh, I didn't read your paperwork, but you know because, you know, you uh, you you come three times. I was and I told him I was like, no, I, I was I was there five times. He was like, hear me out, hear me out. You know, just you know, at at a at an honor, we're gonna dismiss the case. You know, so <laughs> they dismissed the case at honor. You know. Out of honor, right? <laughs> you know, they dismissed the case and stuff, and uh, you know, like I said, man, it, it felt good because, you know, the first time I went, I, I you know, I was, I was kind of nervous and stuff, but as, as I kept going, I, I, I started to like feel and see the, 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 the acting, you know, from the judge and stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry now. You know, I'm, I'm definitely gonna start, you know. Doing what I have to do in order to get free. Yeah, so, yeah I, know, know. I know you was getting frustrated because they had you in there like what five times and shit. I, know, I remember you five called times. me. <laughs> you was like, man, are they gonna dismiss this or no, nah, man? <laughs> I know I was frustrated because they kept playing around. Because every time I went, it was all oh, the you know the officers out here or all you know yeah, they be, yeah, they there was another judge people, in the bro. And, and the judge was like, oh, you know, well, the your current judge who's, uh, you know, taking care of this case is not here, so you're going to dismiss it. So, you know, they kept playing games with me. And then at the end, I, you know, I put that motion to dismiss, and, and then that was it, man. That was it. I know it makes you feel good, though, man, because I know you knew this shit. Oh, yeah, man. Like I said. Like, it just opened my eyes, you know, how, how court works, you know, it just it opened my eyes in, in terms of, like, that's the that's the song, you know? Sorry, brother, Hello? go ahead. Show me. Go ahead. You know, yeah, go ahead. Like, the, 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 act, the, the acting that's involved, you know, and stuff. And, you know, at the end, he also told me, he was like, oh, you know, the police officer's not here, so we're going to dismiss the case because of that. So I was like, ah, whatever. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, you know, though, it's it's like this, man. I, and I can't make it real for you. Only you can make it real for you in your own mind, and then you see the results. So, you know, I mean, that's really what you saw, bro. You saw the results of of your hard work. So, congratulations yeah, no, on the I, win, I, bro. Yeah, I, I put in the work, man. I like I said, I I, I read all the, or or you know, all the um, 
basically points and stuff and, and, and researched it and stuff and, and, and then I did some spiritual work and, and like I said man it, it happened yep that's what's up that's what's up I appreciate you uh, yep. dropping that testimony for us, bro. All right, man. And like I said, All right, bro. you know, because I know we're working on that, that brief now. So, huh? yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, that uh, Jonah Bay Joey shit don't work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stuff. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. You know, we working, dog. It's all good, man. You know, I, I, I just, I, hey, even if I, I'm in the background, do this work, man. It don't bother me, bro. We just working. Help people get that ring. Yep. Yep. So, all, all right. right. That's what's up, man. Peace, Peace to the God. God all right. All right. Let's go to uh, one, one, one. Oh shit. Peace, Minister Joey L. Pace. Yo, what up, Pace? What it do, Pace, man? It's Medina Dojo L. Peace and alkaline up, love to the God over here. What happened to you, man? Man, you already know, man. Uh, uh, the negative energy tried to come my way, but you know I'm over here counteracting that right now with a straight positive mental attitude. And in my studies, I'm getting my I'm getting my mind right. And I know I know anything coming into play, man. I feel it coming into play, you know. Okay, that's what's up. Um, make sure you hit me on. Make sure you hit me in the private. Did you get that? Did you get that? Uh, that 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 little gift. On the email? Uh-uh. Shit. I'm a re- they trying to they trying to stop me from sending it to you. <laughs> I'm gonna send it I'm gonna send uh, it back your way tonight. But um but uh I ain't got too much, man. The dude from Canada, you know, I don't know a whole bunch, but I'm thinking the burden of proof is on is on is on the court to prove him wrong. And I I, I never yeah, thought that yeah. Aboriginal had to pay taxes. You said you never thought what? <laughs> Last time I checked, Aboriginals don't have to pay taxes. They don't, <laughs> right? But you know, <laughs> I'm just talking. I'm just, it was just something that came out, came nah, to my but, mind as soon as nah, talking. But, you know, you're right. They don't though. They don't. I, I even had, a, I even had a financial banker tell me that last week. So they don't. Mm. Mm. So you can do whatever you want as a national. That's love, man. That's love. I'm over here just, just building, like I said, man. Like mostly just getting my, my uh my mental game in order. You know what I'm saying? I was at a really low place beginning of the year. Whole another level, man. Whole another level. And now mm-hmm. I'm really just focusing that down on these studies, man, because shit, we running out of no time. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. You're right. You're right. Keep your head in the game. Yes, sir. Keep your head up to everybody. But uh, other than that, man, I just wanted to I just wanted to say peace to you. You know, it, you know, it's my it's my G day today. So you know, this is how you spend your G day, y'all. You spend your G day learning. You know what I mean? Studying, yeah, focusing on the future. Return, man, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. I ain't gonna say too no much doubt, though, man. I'm gonna let somebody throw questions. Get at get at it. Okay, no doubt, man. Many more to you, bro. Man, thank you, man. Thank you. Peace. All right, bro. All right, peace. Let's go to uh, two two five three two four. You know the bottom line. Peace to the God. Two two five three two four. Peace. Peace to the God. You can hear me? Yep. 
Peace to the God. What's happening? What's going on, bro? It's all good. Um, How you feeling? Yeah, I was just, uh, I had texted you the other day, but I was just telling you about uh, the little IRS letter I got back um, from my oh, old yeah. lady. You dropped that testimony? Yeah, it backed, yeah, man, it backed them up. You know, did like mm-hmm. you say, sent it to them three times, defaulted them out, and they sent the letter. And backed them on up, bro. What they say in the letter? Oh, they they basically was saying that uh, they gonna go over the the information and don't send them don't send them nothing at this time. <laughs> they they don't need any. They said that we don't need any further information from you right now. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah, have we, any questions, yeah, you can call us. Give us some over time it. to investigate it, right? Right, but you know, I backed him right on up. Mm-hmm. Exactly, well, exactly. That's what it's supposed to do. That's what's up, man. Congratulations on that, dog. It's always good to get rid of that ass. Yeah, man. Tomorrow I'm going to um, open up me an account too with my estate number. Oh, so, good shit. Yeah, need to get that going, man. And like I said, I'm just. Working and studying, bro. Good, bro. Good. Yeah, I know you, I know you got some cases coming up you're working on. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. You know, got to get that, that, done. that good energy for that, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I got my little altar set up. Getting my spirit to work in, too. You know? Absolutely. That comes first, man. Where it starts. Cover small ground. That's where it starts. Right, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I tell people all the time, you know, spiritual work is some of the most important work that you're going to do. Because that, that's really what interconnects all of this, man. Right, right. And um, something else I wanted to run by you as far as nationality. Mm-hmm. I was uh, talking with my mom and basically getting a lot of her great-grandparents because uh, my parents were old. I had, I never met none of my uh, grandparents, just, just one of my grandmas on my mom's side. But I never met anybody else. They was, um, passed on before I was born. But uh, okay. basically she was saying, you know, related to the uh, the Turners was really the Tuna Coops. Uh, the Lewis. But really the Turners, though, and the Blakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they... And... um. And they from uh, Mississippi, a little, uh, little county called Woodville, Mississippi, originally. But I'm born and raised okay. right here in Louisiana. You okay. Know? But when yeah, I looked up, all the uh, uh, right, when I looked up the tribes uh, in the 1800s in Louisiana, they had Tunica there, too. Tunica, um, Choctaw, I think I saw a couple more. It, it was a, it was a few of them. Mm, was, they was there, right? So I, I got family that so, was down in Shreveport, you know, and I know that there was a, a bunch of tribes down there in that area. Right, right. So right. it's just really a matter of doing research, man, because you'll find that a lot of you remember the county is your territory, your state is your country. So once you figure out where your ancestors was in their territory. 
then you know what county it is. Right, right. A lot of times, a lot of times, that's why a lot of them set up the counties. Mm-hmm. But see that, like in Mississippi, we they got counties, but right here in Louisiana, they call it parishes. They got parishes. Yeah, they got parishes. Yeah. Just like, yeah, 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 just like the brother was talking about in Canada. Right. Right, same shit though. French territories. Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? So just like right. he got to come about his thing in Canada, y'all got to come about y'all United States citizenship, being part of that French protectorate down there. Right. Right. And um, they okay. right now they going to live. They got a live voting campaign. They going around knocking on people's doors, talking about they want to get rid of the Napoleon law. I, I basically was telling her, man, you know, we really not under no Napoleon law. You know, if you if you read the read the white boy book, he said he never sold none of this down here to the exactly. United States. So in exactly. reality, they got everybody. Once you out of the uh the military part of New Orleans, you really out of what they call Louisiana. It's a corporation, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of these states are now though. That's the thing about it. Right. Right. State of Louisiana, state of Texas, state of Arkansas. Right. Right. So that's why I'm basically trying to get some businesses going and Go all the way private, then I do my petition, you know? Yes, absolutely. Come on up out of there. Yeah, come on up out of here. Yeah, man. We got, we, we got to get back into the business aspect of things. You know? Starting business for ourselves. Learning business right. for ourselves. I, I suggest people read the book, uh, 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 um, Business for Dummies. You know, that's a good one. Accounting for Dummies. We got to learn all this shit. Right. Trust. That's what I'm talking about. Trust. I'm gonna spend a lot more time on trust now. This is a very important topic. Correct. So, right. Yeah. That's what it is. All right, man. Well, I'm yeah. gonna say peace to the God. All right, man. Peace to the God, bro. All right, God. Peace. All right, God. Peace. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so make sure y'all um. I have a link up tomorrow if you want to get in on the upcoming webinar. It's going to be the trust webinar, the basics. We're going to be going over the basics. I'm going to give you all some material that y'all can use. All right, the material will come with this particular webinar. There will be some material associated with this webinar that's outside of the webinar, but I'll um, I'll make that clear once we once we you know actually are doing the, the class itself. All right, that being said, make sure y'all get with me, makemorecommerce.com. Y'all know how to reach me. I'm over there. If we got products or consultations that you got over the weekend, I'll get those out this week to y'all. Um, I think I got my man, L.A., down in Orlando. I'm going to be hollering at you, bro. I got your ID ready for you. Um, and there's a few more people. If you got some IDs out, some private IDs, um, get with me um, so we can wrap all of that up. All right, so with that being said, I'm going to say peace to the gods. MakeMoreCommerce.com. Look out for the link for the upcoming seminar in Texas. All right, and the upcoming webinar at the end of the month. I'm up out of here. Peace. And why do I say that? Because after 46 years and teaching you morons for 23 years, 
You want to take the easy way out because you think life is a journey. That is horseshit. Life's a journey if you're a moron and you're retarded. That's why, you know, that's what, that's what you've done with the life up heretofore. It's been a journey. And how good is the fucking journey? You tell me. Wouldn't you have rather, when the first time you went out with somebody that you thought you were in love with, thought is the operative word, wouldn't you have lied to have a, a template? Oh, let's follow this process instead of, because that is a journey. And all the mistakes you made and raising this fucking little shithead for kids you got instead of having this book. Life doesn't have to be a journey. It's a journey for morons. You think life is a journey for the Trump kids? It's a motherfucking process, the same process his daddy raised him by. Same for me. Life ain't a journey if you're my kid. It's a goddamn process. So you tell me if you're results-orientated at all, Who's better off, the journey or the process? And for the most part, most people in this room and most people listening on YouTube have to come to the realization, as sad as it is, that you have pissed, you have urinated, heretofore, up until this morning, your entire life down a fucking shithole. Very simple. That's it. If you want to create massive wealth, if you just want to be a happy, slappy housewife from fucking Dundee or a happy, slappy bimbo from fucking Toronto or a happy, slappy guy who goes to the Little League games in Mesa, Arizona, then that's okay. But if you want to create some fucking money, and money's not everything, but if you don't money, think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to fucking shop. Say that with an Irish accent. Okay. If you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. If you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. Correct. <laughs> uh, correct. And, but I mean, you can get money and then go save the world. You can get money and save the forests in Brazil. You make money and go save global warming, which I don't believe in. You can, I mean, and save the, uh, the kids in Biafra and all that shit. But without money, you can't save a fucking thing. Don't you understand? Don't the fucking idiots on YouTube understand that? Until you make some shekels. Until you make some fucking coin. You can't help anybody. Because if love got the job done, you wouldn't all be fucked up. And I've had mothers, daughters, grandfather, daughter, uh, son. I've run three generations of the gamut in this seminar here. And they all say the exact same thing. The daughter looks to the mother, you fucked me up. The, the mother looks to the father, you fucked me up. And they all agree. And where it really gets dicey is the second or, three day, second or third days after they have a few drinks, a few pops. Then it gets it can get fucking ugly, as Sally would say. Fucking ugly. Nothing like a mother to turn on her daughter or vice versa. 
Nothing like it. It's like in the fucking movies. It's like a goddamn soap opera. Because that's life. And if we admit it to ourselves, then we have an opportunity to move on. If we don't, then we're just fucked in the quagmire. You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L. Where remedy meets preparation.